and welcome to The Movie Mingle, the official podcast of MovieMingler.com. I am Nick, and I'm joined by Chris Huggy. Hello there. And Frank. Hello. That was very exciting. And today, welcome, people, listeners of the interwebs, for our feature review of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, the fifth Mission Impossible. It's kind of amazing. There's five. Directed by Christopher McQuarrie and starring Thomas Cruise. And we'll be looking at that <laughs> this week. But before we get started with that sort of stuff, just to let people know who've never really listened to the show before, we like to have a brief discussion on our week in movies. And, you know, we talk about some of the movies that we've been watching or some news that has tickled our fancies. And then we end our podcast with our review of the featured film. So let's get started. Chris Hargy, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to tell me what you've had in your week of movies of, uh, <laughs> this week. Um, and it will self-destruct in five seconds. I, I've watched quite a few movies. you only got four seconds left. No, <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well, no, thank you. Rugrats go wild, I make sure I watch Rugrats go wild every week. Um, but I'm going to be honest, the movies I've watched, none of them have been great. Uh, Ooh, so let's, let, let's go... Uh, that's, a, yeah, that's the best sort of reviews. So I'm going to start with... Uh, X-Files, I want to believe. I finished my X-Files marathon and got onto the last movie. And my first That's an impressive effort. You deserve a clap for that. That's 200 something episodes. And that show is hard to get through sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot of bad episodes. It's a lot of bad episodes, isn't it? Yeah. But look, you know, it was fun and it just makes me more excited. Is it your favourite show of all time? Nah, but it's up there. Definitely up there. But the movie's not very good. That's my first note. Look, it's basically a TV movie. Yeah. I think the cinematography is great. Well, great for the kind of movie it is but it's never feels like it's an actual real movie the good things are the music is really good it's always awesome to see scully and Mulder back together but oh yeah highlight of the movie obviously but there are character problems for people who don't watch the show there's some weird stuff uh scully wants Mulder to go help the fbi then she changes her mind uh later in the movie and if you watch the tv show it actually kind of makes sense but for newcomers which i think Chris Carter, the writer and director, was kind of aiming for with this movie. They're not going to understand why there's this turnaround or why Scully is so worried about Mulder joining the X-Files again. It was... I don't know who this movie was for. Is it for people who are fans of the show? If it was, then why is it... Why is it just this one-off, relatively boring story trying to reintroduce us to Mulder and Scully? Um, If it's for new people coming into it... You're not going to understand it because you're just not going to care why Scully and Mulder are so important. You need to know certain things from the TV show. You need to know how obsessed Mulder was with the X-Files. If you go back and watch it again, you learn Mulder, he's a very damaged individual. Um, and I didn't realise as much until I kind of watched it again that he's got a lot of problems. He's far obsessed with the X-Files to the point where even though he doesn't mean to purposefully, he puts other people in danger. And he can't do it without Scully. He will force Scully into situations, uh, even when she doesn't want to, that to sort of follow his obsessed vendetta to find out what happened to his sister and expose the truth about aliens. It's all really interesting stuff. And there's bits in the movie we can sort of tell they're alluding to it. But if you've never watched the TV show before, you're not going to understand it. But at the same time, if you watch the TV show and seen the last few episodes, which again aren't great... You know that in the last episode, Mulder was sentenced to death. Uh, spoilers for spoilers. X-Files. I was going to say, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, Mulder was sentenced to death by the government, and then in the, the new movie, it's like, oh, no, nah, that's all right, we'll forgive you for your crimes. It's a bit silly. They had, it's the only way they could do it, but they obviously wrote themselves into a corner. That's always the problem with X-Files, isn't it? Continuity. Yeah. But look, there's some interesting stuff. The most interesting character is Scully. 
Um, it's all about her losing, uh, trying to find faith. And really, the main story, when you think about it, is her trying to figure out what to do with uh, with her patient at a uh, at the hospital. And it's it's a great story. Her trying to figure out, I guess, uh, morality, good versus evil, what constitutes good and evil. And there's an interesting story there. It just never really works. Um, but to be honest, full stop. I'd rather more X Files than not. So oh, I'd rather same. the movie exists and doesn't. Same. I had tears of joy watching them on yeah. screen together in the cinema because um, they're, they're like they're, you talk about childhood. They are yeah, Mulder and Scully. Figure so, oh, yeah. I welled up when they together in a happy way, an excited way. I mean, you did too, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's such, uh, an, it's such a thrill. Welled up, I was excited. As yeah, hell. The first time you saw the movie, we never thought we were going to get X Files again, really. And all of a sudden, we had this movie. You know, we yeah. always hoped that they were going to do the end of the mythology with the invasion. But. So this movie wasn't what you wanted from a movie, though. No, I probably wanted some... I mean, there's a lot of... It was Monster of, of the Week, wasn't it? Yeah. It was Monster of the Week, but it wasn't good Monster of the Week. Yeah, there's it so was, many better episodes in the yeah. show. It's actually not a bad story, but Chris no, Carter what, should have never directed it. No. The first time... He didn't direct the first movie because he understood that he's not a really good director. Yeah. Rob Bowman directed the first yeah. film, and he was one of the best directors they got. And, Do you prefer Mythology or Monster of the Week? There's a lot of problems with the Mythology yeah. episodes, yeah. looking back, but I love the whole idea of it. It's very stupid, the overall mythology, but... It's I, want, I want closure yeah. of it. I, I, I want to see that in the new TV yeah. show. Yeah. I don't think you can get closure of it as close as we can. To I think well, they can end it to a degree. I have a feeling even the new Netflix show is not even going to try from what it's I'm Fox. hearing. It's, it's on regular TV. Fox. Yeah, it's Fox. Oh, well, nah, there's yeah. some alien episodes, but God knows. It's a mix. It's a mix of mythology and Monster of the Week. He's getting a lot of the great writers. How many can you do? He's getting a lot of the great writers back, though. Everyone's going to have their turn, like Glenn Morgan and all that. He was one of my favourite writers. He's coming back. I'm sure they'll do a comedy episode. They've got a few actors who I know from comedies that are going to be the in it. The thing is, so. though, they've only got six episodes. Assume four mythology, two monsters of the no, week. I think, be like, I, reckon I, the I think it'd be five monsters of the week well, and you might get one mythology. Well, then you're not wrapping up the mythology reckon, in one episode. I reckon you'll get two mythology. Right, beginning oh, beginning premiere. Yeah, maybe. Well, then you'd have to... No, you'd probably get like a comedy episode, three yeah. serious monsters of the week, two mythology, and you're not really wrapping all that up in two episodes. No, nah, there's, there's way too much to wrap up. But yeah. Unless uh, they plan on doing more if this lot's successful. I, I think, think they, they are may. now. I think this is it now. This but, might be the new few... Every few years, six episodes. Sort of like Sherlock. Every yeah. two years, you get three episodes. I'd be okay with that. It is. It works fine with Sherlock. Or could it just be English style seasons. Eight episodes. Yeah, if this fine. is successful, then the next year, eight episodes, and they just do eight episode blocks. I'll be up there. I would watch Mulder and Scully to the eighty years old. Me too. And and so, even if they're maybe the, not eighty years <laughs> old, but you know what I mean. But I, I don't mind. Like when things come back, I'm not one of those guys that complain and say, "Oh well, you know, it returned. It should never return its crap." I mean, I'm I'm one of the. I will defend Arrested Development season four to the Ooh, to the death. Listen to TVTalker.com. Yeah, but also I want to discuss about Arrested Development. But it's it's why you know, I mean, Star Wars Episode Seven, God forbid, isn't that great. It's not going to change I, I'd rather see room. it than not have it at all. Uh, so I'm not worried about the new X-Files because to be honest, the last few seasons was average. Anyway. You going to say something else there. Uh, I was going to say crappy, but it's really not as crappy as, as I was going to say. A lot of it was still decent. And just like Mulder, because yeah. Mulder and Scully's relationship were the, was the heart of the show. Yeah. And without Mulder there, you lost the heart of the show. Yeah. So you still had some interesting stories of the week. I can remember a few from the eighth mm. season. Ninth season's pretty forgettable from, I can't remember. Ninth, ninth season's really, really poor. But when you don't have Mulder there and Scully together, it's just, you don't have X-Files anymore. It was their charisma. Yeah. But yeah, I can't wait for more X-Files. And look, uh, I gave, I want to believe two and a half stars. Um, I don't know if I'm. I can't tell if I'm being hard on it because it's an X Files. If I'm being easy on it, I think you're uh, about honest, right. I like Modern Scully, so uh, I like the go. movie. But I'm very aware, like you probably are aware, that I like the movie because I'm an X Files fan. That's the same reason I like and it. And as a movie by itself, I, like Fight the Future works as a movie completely by itself. 
The first one. I reckon Not it does. Not perfectly, but better than I want to believe. Because at least it's a movie. It's yeah. big on scale. And I think, well, I don't know. I've never watched it not knowing the mythology, but I always thought it kind of did a good job of saying you who these characters were yeah. and giving you an adventure. Whereas this just felt like an extra long episode. Yeah, it was just yeah. an episode. There was nothing big about it. And there's nothing wrong with it. I enjoyed it. But there was a part of me that was like, I really wanted to see. You can tell the story as many times as you want in the future, but give me a wrap-up to the bloody mythology. Yeah. Even if it's a crappy wrap-up, just give me a wrap-up yeah. so that I can move on. Because it's always, it's that little thing and it's just sitting there. It hasn't ended. Mm. And it feels kind of empty until you just do it. I don't know. Uh, that's what you've got next year. So. Hopefully. Oh, that's, I, I, that is like nearly the most exciting thing about next year. For me overall. Like, would, for me, would, would we do an X-Files? Uh, Twin Peaks. Oh, we'll there, I'll no, tell you one thing. We'll be doing an X-Files podcast. It won't be Movie Mingler, obviously, but we'll be doing an X-Files podcast on those six episodes. Yeah, There's I'll no doubt about that. that. And we'll be doing one on Twin Peaks. Yeah, I'll be happy oh, to do yeah. one on Twin Peaks. Yeah. On a uh, completely other side of the spectrum, I watched the movie Wet Hot American Summer. Ooh, has, has either of you guys seen it? No, but I was I nearly pressed play last night. <laughs> so everyone's talking about it. Yeah. I know all about it. Had because... you seen it before? No. Nah. Did you watch it because of the t- the Netflix Absolutely, program? Absolutely. Yes. Have you been watching the Netflix program? I've watched the first episode after they're I all like, the... I watched it. I like the look of it because they're all like playing the same characters, but they're all really old. Yeah, so and they're, they're actually younger than they are in <laughs> yeah. the actual movie. I watched the beginning of it just to have uh, a look. So, <sighs> oh, no, I, get the, I get the feeling Wet Hot American film. Summer would be a movie that is a kind of, I'd put that in the office space. Where you'd probably like it if you watched it once every few years, maybe under the influence of alcohol. Look, I didn't hate it. Um, so it's directed by David Wayne and Michael Showalter. Um, they they did a movie called They Came Together. Yeah, with Amy Poehler. Yeah, Have I want to see that? that so badly. I've heard so many good things about it from people I respect. Okay, I couldn't wait when I saw the trailer. It just looked like a romantic comedy satire, and I watched it. And well, like some it. of the jokes hit and were funny, and some of them were just not funny. Uh, very. You look at it as it's better than you know movies like Scary Movie and all the crappy uh, parody movies that they make, but you know it's still go. There's still you know the toilet humor. There's still the really crap jokes to pad out the whole thing, um, and that's what I kind of thought watching Wet Hot American Summer. Some of it was really funny. Um, uh, some of the satire and the parody was was really good, but a lot a lot of the jokes were just miss. And I thought it occasionally delved into a bit a, being a bit too crass when it really didn't have to be. Okay. Um, very similar to They Came Together. I mean, the cast is, is a lot. And look, there are a lot of jokes that made me laugh out loud. There's a scene where they're paying out, you know, that they get to leave the camp for a little bit and go out into, go out to the real world. And they, you know, they start to have fun and starting with, you know, having a bit of booze and a bit of weed. And the next thing you know, they're, they're going up to cocaine and heroin all in the space of an hour. And, you know, they're all having a, at first it's a great time. They're just, you know, have young people having a good time. And then, you know, they're all addicted, getting into fights and murdering people. And I, that, that made me laugh. But it's just, you know, it all ends with um, a possibility of a satellite going to smash into the uh, smash into the campsite. And they're all worried about that. It's, there's no, it's a very nonsensical movie. I love the cast. Uh, it's got, you know, Bradley Cooper, uh, Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, David Hyde Pierce, Elizabeth Banks, all playing teenagers. But... Yeah, maybe. Amazing cult. I can. I guess I can. I can see why it's a cult movie. But do you it's... think you will not? Maybe. I mean, I haven't seen it. So I don't yeah. know. But do you think you might? Because I think the movie is a bit of a parody of eighties yeah. camp film. Oh yeah, and some of the parody. Did you miss that? Maybe because no. you're in the eighties. You weren't born in the eighties, so it no, wasn't your I, I, some of it was really good. The way they, par- you know, a lot of the even how they, they did parodies of uh, camp camp movies and you know just teen teen movies guys talking about sexual intercourse all the time some of it was really good and those jokes were the ones that hit but for every good joke there was a probably about five minutes of bad jokes you so. think it's like the big lebowski if you're not in on the club you just don't get it exactly 
I don't know. Well, I, that's the I, thing I, I, I mean, I don't hate The Big Lebowski, but it's nowhere near the Coen Brothers' best movie. Yeah, well, I don't. In my opinion, well, I never anyway. got The Big Lebowski either. Think it's well, I think I think some people yeah, truly do. Not stupid people. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, like you, you might really like the movie, but you couldn't honestly call it their best movie. Mm, not when they've made No Country for Old Men and Fargo. Yeah, exactly. Or even True Grit, the new one, which you is know. sensational. So. You're not going to get it if you're if you're not in on the joke. If you're just a regular person that likes comedies and watch it, you're going to think, "What the hell is this?" Um, if you know it's a parody of the 80s films, you might watch it and think, that's funny. It's definitely, I think, a, a movie that we probably have to rewatch once every couple of years before you really love it. Are you going to... Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, you still got to watch the TV show? Or did it dissuade you from doing it? I watched the first episode because I was just interested to see how they do it. And again, it's the cast. Um, that's what I thought was I funny, to, just watching how yeah. they're really old but they're playing like oh. 18 year olds again. And by the way... <laughs> So one of the guys is obviously bald and he's got a really bad yeah. wig and overweight now. I just yeah, thought that yeah. was really clever even though I've never seen the movie before. Yeah, he's like the romantic interest in the first one and the second one he's just, you know, he, he's he's the one that's written the the TV show and the movie and he's oh, just yeah. overweight. And Paul yeah. Rudd, um, one of the bits that I find Warning. funny is he does a sort of rebellious, doesn't care teenager who just doesn't give give a crap about anything and he plays it, you know, there's no, uh, it's not a sub, uh, subtle performance, he's doing it purposefully, you know, there's a bit where he's in the, he's the kitchen and he's finished eating his meal and he just throws the food on the ground and then the camp co- uh, coordinator says, pick that up and he's just giving all these really angry looks at everyone and making a big deal <laughs> about it and it's... <laughs> Paul Rudd, I love Paul Rudd. He's he's amazing. It's probably why I liked Ant Man. I think more than than you did, Nick. Um, well, he was there. He was pretty much the highlight of the movie, though. I thought he was. I thought I thought he was a bit subdued in Ant Man. He was. I mean, a that's a different thing. I mean, I still love Paul Rudd, though. Yeah. I mean, I watch him in anything. Trying Magic to flirt with people. Three. Well, up. Magic Mike one, which I've never seen, is apparently meant to be a very good movie. I just get embarrassed when it comes to renting a movie. Because I look at it. Well, Magic Mike is a Steven Soderbergh movie that's apparently meant yeah. to be a good movie. But I, the second one is just. For girls to purr, which is fine, but it's not for me. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go out of my way to see it unless you want to see how the oh, TV I, show I'm goes. definitely checking out because it's such yeah. a cult thing. I just have yeah. to see the movie. I have to see it. It's, about it so it's, not, it's not bad. It's just it's not great. Yeah. I had a sense I, I, it I might be I think if that. I'd watched it a few <laughs> times over the next five years, I reckon I could go back one day and say, this movie's awesome. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> movie Mingler. It's like 80, like 902. I don't yeah. know. So two and a half Preview. stars for that one. <laughs> And I watched uh, Creep because you spoke about it and told me to watch it. 2014. Last week. 2014. Oh, yeah. Creep. What'd you think? With Mark Duplass uh, and Patrick Bryce. Yeah, he directed it as well. Yeah, um, he directed it and directed it fine. He can't act. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying before. It's all about Mark Duplass. Yeah. Um, and he's actually very good in it. I thought he was. Yeah, me and Mark Duplass was awesome. Yeah. Um, he was suitably creepy. Yeah. Which, hence the film. And I thought uh, he's got this mask called the Peach Fuzz mask. And oh, that's yeah. genuinely creepy and frightening. When he's standing in front of the door? Yeah. Could that, you imagine that situation? You're like, I would be so freaked out in that situation. I, I kept lo- looking thinking, this is creepy. But I mean, remember the guy underneath it. But still, it's frightening yeah. as hell. Uh, but yeah, now Mark Duplass uh, stole the show. Look, there were a lot of problems with it. Um, yeah, the okay. character of Aaron Patrick Bryce, his character was stupid. He does something in the end where it feels like the other character, Joseph, has to justify Aaron's stupid behaviour. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe. What happens at the end? I know what happens at yeah. the end. Like... Um, so when you watched it last week. Yeah, I know, but I don't so, know what was... I, so I don't know Aaron makes a decision, which is incredibly oh, oh, yes. dumb. And then he doesn't... You know, yeah. he just sits there. Yeah. Yeah. That the yeah. sitting decision? Yeah, the yeah. sitting decision. Yeah, no, I thought... Yeah, I know. The that. That's decision. a horror yeah. movie. You get used to it. They're yeah. dumb in horror movies, most um, people. So that, that was just... Some of the decisions he made during that film were just ridiculous. I found it weird how it was really building up the tension and then kind of it stopped. Yeah. But I think I got over it in the end. 
because then it sort of build up tension in a different way. There are a few stupid uh, stupid characters. Um, the, some of the writing was a little bit obvious. Like there's a bit where Joseph has taken uh, Aaron to a restaurant, which he, where he obviously hasn't gone before, but he's he's saying how he needs to take his family. And then there's an obvious mistake where he says, "Oh, let's look through the menu." Yeah. And the other guys like, "Oh, you you've uh, I thought you'd been here before." He's like, "Oh, oh, they changed the menu." I just thought it was a little bit. But is, that what, but is that what some people are like when they think they're smarter than everyone else? They, Maybe. Because I know people who are actually kind of dumb. Yeah. And they think they're smarter than everyone else, so they think they can get out of a lie very easily. Yeah. That's what it was. I'm not saying he's dumb, but I thought he's so overconfident in his situation yeah, that he... I mean, that's how I kind of took it. Because we all know he's lying at the time. But I thought it really worked. The handheld camera kind of worked. It made it seem a lot more real. The, the last scene, the, the big, you know, sort of climactic scene is really, really... Yeah. To be honest, I was thinking about the movie afterwards like, at night time and it was creeping me out. And I think if a movie called Creep creeps yeah. you out, you can ignore That's all the, those other things. To it. I mean, I don't think it's a great movie, no. but it was fine. I've seen way worse movies. So I'm thinking overall three, three and a half. Uh, but Mark Duplass was awesome. I thought. Yeah, I, I think he's going to give us a good career to come. I've yeah. liked him in everything I've seen him in. That's it for me. Cool. Uh, any movie few movies? No, I don't have any movie news. Yeah, so I don't really like going on a movie, is it? Nah, it's been a bit no, boring no. the last few uh, weeks. Okay, so... I'll talk about some of the stuff I've watched this week. I saw Dark Skies. Mm-hmm. So is that, is that a new movie? I, I've got to be honest, when you you mentioned it off-pod before, old, I don't know. 2013. It's been on my radar for a while yeah. because of basically three reasons. If you've got Aliens, you're a horror movie, and you star Felicity, mm-hmm. Kerry Russell, I'm sold. So yeah. I finally got to watch it because it's on Netflix. Uh, it's a horror movie about this family. They get visited by aliens, and the aliens are doing Spoiler. things and... Uh, they do an alien thing. It's a ghost story, but with aliens. Basically like a creepy house movie. And really, it's it's okay. It, it really isn't that good, to be absolutely honest. But it's not a horrible movie. It, it's just, do you like haunted house movies? Because it's basically a haunted house movie. J.K. Simmons shows up for like one scene. I didn't know he was in it, which was really nice. But he's completely not J.K. Simmons we know. He's just subdued. When I first saw him, I thought he might be like the Terminator Genesis character. The conspiracy theorist. But he was a lot of fun in Terminator Genesis mm. or Genesis. But in Dark Skies... <laughs> In Dark Skies, he was just a little bit bland. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It actually has a few moments that are kind of freaky. Not scary ever, but like there's some freaky moments and some jolting moments here and then. And Kerry Russell's... No, nothing a, special though. And Kerry Russell's an appealing star. Not really. It's fine. If you like horror movies, you'll like it, but you'll never remember it again. This is one of those ones that I'll probably watch again in eight years' time. Go, oh, shit, I've seen that one. So, yeah. Anyway, that's Dark Skies. Directed by Scott Stewart. It's on Netflix, so it's so easy to find if you like horror movies. Why don't, you know, they're not going to hurt you. Uh, another one I saw which was a little bit more interesting was uh, a French-Canadian film called 515 or 5150 Elms Way. How do you say that for a street thing? 5150 Elms Way. You studied French. You should be able to. No, no, and you've got a French mother. So oh, you wait, should wait. probably be able to pronounce it. The French way. 515 Rue des Elms. Or well, they, they say 515, do they, in French? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, they don't do that. <laughs> okay, don't worry about it. It's, 51, <laughs> it's 515 Elms Way, French-Canadian film, based on a novel, a French-Canadian novel, too, okay. uh, from the mid-'90s. Yeah. The story is about this kid who's got into film school, and he's moved away from his family, going to film school. He's riding around with his bike, and he has this accident because a cat runs across the road, and he falls down, mm-hmm. and he's all bleeding and all that, and, he needs, and his bike's all broken, so he needs to call a taxi. Yeah. So he goes into this house, because his phone's broken too, and he fell over. Mm-hmm. And he goes into this house, and he's asking him, you know, can I use your phone? And then he sees that this guy is, like, torturing some guy in the ceiling. Like, some guy's getting killed. Yeah. Like, he's bleeding. Oh, help me. And then when he sees that person dying, the other guy kidnaps him. Yeah. And then the movie becomes sort of like he's a hostage... You find out that the main guy who's keeping hostage, he's got a whole family there. He's got two daughters, an older daughter who's a bit of a psycho and a young daughter who doesn't talk. And he's got a wife and he he thinks he's self-righteous. He's very religious and he kills people who have sinned. 
And I won't wreck it with the anything else, but the main story is he kills people who sins. So he thinks he does the right thing, like Dexter, yeah. in a sense. But except he's very religious. Yeah. So he's crazy yeah. in that sense. But then, or oh, Dexter is too, I guess. But <laughs> different crazy. No, no, it's, but it's, he's doing it's it's quite normal. But the main story of the movie, and what was interesting about it, is that the idea is this guy's a chess champion, and he's never lost a game of chess, ever. The oh, actual wow. serial killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he basically says, God makes me play chess so well. And he says, if you can beat me in chess, you can go. So then they play each other in chess, and that's what the movie is. Like The guy's slowly going crazy because he's up there for months, and he's trying to beat this guy who's never lost in chess. And yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Because I don't want to wreck anymore, because there's some reveals I haven't told, which is actually a little bit of fun. Um, the movie is directed by Eric Tessier. And I think a lot of the problems with this film, while I did enjoy it quite a bit, I think a lot of the problems stem from his direction in the sense that it's obviously based on a book. And the book it's based on clearly has so many different plot lines. There's a plot line with the oldest daughter and her future in the family business, you know, the serial killer business, and the younger daughter and what effect it's having on her, and the journey of this videotape he sends out. There's just a lot of plot lines, and ultimately the film feels overstuffed and you know books and movies are completely different and the key to a successful movie adaption of a book in my opinion is taking the skeleton of the story and streamlining it for a movie because you don't have 500 pages to tell the story you've got three acts 90 minutes to 120 minutes so yeah the big problem with this film is that it's just overstuffed the whole hook of the movie about the chess game is the hook of the movie. That's why I watched it. That's the hook of the film. And it's the main part of the movie. But this movie, that I was watching the movie, forgetting about the chess sequence. I'm like, oh, this movie must be getting ready for the third act now. And I checked the time, and it was 46 minutes in, and the movie is like in 110 minutes. I went, oh, crap! Because I forgot about the main plot line. And it's, it seriously is like one movie happens, and he's tortured. He's not tortured, but he's living in this place. He's trying to escape. The movie goes slowly. You meet the whole family. And then the main plot starts like an hour into the movie. Yeah. Just like two separate movies. There's too many plot lines getting juggled. You've got like too many things that don't go anywhere, and too much contrived stuff. Like he he tries to at one stage films himself saying, "I'm you know this is my address, this is where I am," and he gets away to throw the tape outside, and then you follow the tape throughout the movie. And I won't wreck where it goes or anything like that, but you follow if someone's actually going to put the tape in the video player. But that's a plot line you didn't really need, and the way it's resolved is so contrived and convenient. And this movie's full of conveniences. Yeah, it's just, and it's not a bad movie, but it's just it has too many conveniences, too many plot lines. It's fine. It's actually. Did that interest you at all by that sound and stuff about playing chess for your life? Because it's actually that's the compelling part. It's actually kind of compelling. Yeah, watching no, play the chess. I'm going to be going out of way to look for it. Watch well, free SBS on demand. Easy to find. Okay. 2010 movie. Well, I'll get it right now. Well, there you go. Oh yeah. Go on the app store. Can, right can we take a two-hour break and come watch back? it? Yeah, it's okay. I'll never watch it again. So that's a nice way to review it. Like, I yeah. probably would never watch it again. But it was. It but at least you've seen it. It was a movie that had really good potential that fell short from that potential. But you would never angry at it because it was well made the whole way another thing I'll mention very quickly I watched the first three parts of the 1996 Ken Burns documentary series The West these things are more than just television in my opinion too I mean each episode is about 90 minutes long and each episode feels more like a feature film documentary than a episodic documentary that you would see on the Discovery Channel it feels like cinema when you watch it Anyway, I watched the first... Your I, experience of Ken Burns is the baseball, the baseball series, one, which yeah. I thought was... Very good. Brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant. You've seen the 10th inning? Yeah, well, I've never seen the latest one. I've only saw the original series. That's the 10th inning. But that was made like only a few years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. So I've, I've seen up to nine anyway. I'll watch it one day. It's not on Netflix, unfortunately, the baseball one, or I would have no. been watching it already. That probably would be my first choice to rewatch it, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, I watched Ken Burns' The West, mm-hmm. uh, the first three episodes of The West, which is... It's phenomenal. I mean, I think it's phenomenal the way he handles these stories and tells such great detail. I mean, 
I don't know what everyone else is like here, but I find the West amazingly romantic or the idea of it. And that's what this movie is about or the documentary is about how romantic it is, but how hard it all was. Mm. Like it, when you see these stories about these people, you know, leaving the East coast and going West to find their future, you, th- you think about it in such a romantic way, but then you hear, he starts telling stories of certain people going across the, you know, America and it took like a year to go across. And most people died of disease or died of something or got attacked by something. You know what I mean? Like it was just so dangerous. The first episode deals with, the whole history of the West up until 1806. And a lot of it focuses on the Spanish coming in, the conquistadors, and doing horrible things. I mean, seriously, like, you know, basically trying to steal the gold from all these people because they thought there was riches everywhere and using the Bible as an excuse, like saying, we're bringing light to these savages. It's, but it's an interesting story, but it's just horrible. And he actually learned some interesting things about the natives. That's what Ken Burns wanted to do. He said that he wanted to tell a documentary that didn't just say that the natives are perfect, and the whites are evil, or the whites are perfect, the natives are evil, but he wanted to say that everything, there was a story going on. Mm-hmm. Because he actually told some horrible, he told some of the things about, you meet about a lot of native cultures. And yeah, some the Aztecs of them, were pretty And bad. some of them had some yeah. horrible things. But there's some interesting ones too. Like there was ones about um, matriarchies, mm-hmm. where the men married into the woman's family and took their name. And there's what ones that live off war only. And mm-hmm. it's all really interesting. Then the second episode is probably a little bit more compelling because it starts it's 1806 to 1848 and it's it deals with like basically america expanding and all that stuff mm-hmm. like that. texas being its own country for a while mexico taking over all of the west coast basically and then usa basically swallowing the whole country slowly yeah it was you can take this off the pod but if you actually see the texas state the state house in the capital mm. it's actually got seven flags and they're the seven countries that have ruled texas at one top stage so yeah. you've got um mexico, mexico spain yeah. The Republic of Texas when it was yeah. its own country, America... Houston, the first president. Well, however many flags it is, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite a, interesting. It's a sensational really story. I mean, that's a... And that one actually had my highlight of the story-wise. I wanted to mention the second episode quickly because yeah. it actually had... Have you ever heard of the Sega orphans? Familiar, but I don't it, know. It's these, it's this Henry Sager and his wife, I can't remember her name, and the seven kids. Mm-hmm. And they travel across to the West. They're traveling to Oregon, which was sort of like a free, no one owned it. The British wanted it, but they had no, no one was defending it. It was in the middle of nowhere, basically. It's such a big area, too. You're talking about the Oregon Trail? Yeah, they're all going there. Yeah. And anyway, he died, like the father died of a disease, the mother died, and all of a sudden it was just the seven kids alone. Or this should be a movie. One of the daughters who survived all this, she wrote a book called Across the Plains in 1840, which mm-hmm. is. There was a movie made in the 70s, which I watched a little bit on YouTube and it was just horrible. This needs to be an epic movie because I tell you their story. Not just an epic trail across America over a year and their parents die and all this stuff and they get injured and lots of drama. Yeah. They end up going to the Whitman farm, which you've probably heard of. Oh, no, the, the Whitman mission. Yeah. Because you hear, you learn a lot about the missions where, you know, obviously a lot of Christians were going around trying to save the souls of the natives. Are you going to give a spoiler for people who aren't watching the documentary? About yeah, well, this is real life. But don't know the history. I think you can talk spoilerish about history from 150 years ago and anyway the orphans end up at the Whitman's missionary and the wife obviously is a very religious person and she's pretty much spent years trying to convert the natives everything's not really working out for her she's getting very very frustrated but long story short she ends up adopting all seven of the Sega orphans and they go up on the farm with her and a few years later this is known famously for the Whitman massacre at the end where the these natives started dying of smallpox i think it was but get me wrong a disease of some sort but i think it was smallpox and half like all the kids died half of the village died and they ended up basically killing the whitmans and most of the kids because they thought that the disease outbreak that was killing so much of their tribe was actually made was actually orchestrated by the whitmans themselves because they wouldn't convert to christianity 
Yeah. Anyway, three of the daughters survive and she ends up living for like 80, 90 years, a few of them. And, and she wrote a book about the whole thing. And it's just a sensational story. I didn't do any justice to it, but it's a movie waiting to happen, a good one. Yeah. Like, it's a brilliant, yeah, there you go. It's, one of, it, it's a brilliant story. It's just one, but that's the idea. Like, it's such a romantic idea of trekking across West. But then this documentary shows you how harsh it actually was. And then obviously, I'll say really quickly now, the last one I watched was The Gold Rush. It tells you the story of the 49ers. They come across in this mass way and most of them just never made it to the yeah. American River. Great story. So now you know why the San Francisco 49ers are called the 49ers. I already knew that. I oh, knew that it was based on that sort of stuff as I've looked. But uh, I've never really seen the story told, I don't think, okay. before. It was brilliant. It's brilliant. It's a great documentary. If You don't even have to be interested in the West to like it because if you, unless you just have no interest in learning about history, it's just so well told. Yep. Great people involved. Very balanced. Brilliant stuff. And um, next will be Civil War. Yeah, I'll probably watch the Civil War next after this. I thought it would be... Yeah, I just wanted the West first because I'm looking forward to... You're probably more interested in the West. No, the, Civil War me too. the Civil War interests me too, but the West starts earlier, so I thought chronological order. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. But I always found it so romantic. I mean, it's different nowadays because everyone's so connected, but it's just... Now you take a plane, it takes like, I don't know, six hours to go to east or west coast probably or whatever it is. I mean, it was a year to travel across this. this they didn't know what they were going to see. They didn't know what people they were going to run to, what natives. It was just scary. Kind of romantic, very romantic. They even talked about the uh, the frontiersmen. They used to go out there. They used to hunt beavers in all these mountains and all that. And they used to have every year. I can't remember the name, but every year they would meet at one place. All of these frontiersmen, and they knew if you didn't show up for that day, that you were dead, because it was just so dangerous. Mm. And it was, it's just so many great stories like this. And there was, you know, there's another, you know, there's also stories about like the first real pulp hero of the West, which was uh, uh, Kit Carson, who I've never really heard of before, but apparently he was this real big hero. They wrote all these stories about him, yeah. and then people would meet him, and they'd be like, oh, are you the Kit Carson from this novel here? And he'd be, and they, and he'd go, yeah, and they would say, oh, well, you don't, you don't look like that Kit Carson, because it was just that, that first stage of the myth of the West. Kit Carson died from the rather brutal aneurysm. That's how they... That's horrible. That's what, it's so I'm, easy to I'm die I'm being days. sarcastic. Like, I mean, it's a terrible way to die, yeah, but no. I mean, it's hardly like on the battlefield out in the West... It's very much like a movie that we will do one day on on uh, Movie Mingler, and that's uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which has that famous line about myth-making in the Wild West. When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. So there you go. Okay. I should remember that line. But, you know, that's the idea. That's the, that's the idea of what the West was. I mean, what we thought of, uh, especially what the Americans thought, or the world thought of the West was all mythical, wasn't it? Yeah. Not what it was. I mean, you watched Deadwood, and that's what it was, in a sense. In Did you like Deadwood? Yeah. Makes me want to watch it again after watching this. Okay. But anyway, I think that's it for my stuff. Now, before we talk about Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, when, when we see a movie that's like number five in a franchise, like Terminator Genesis or Genesis, we can like... You, can you stop calling it Genesis? We like to have a, a nice conversation just so everyone kind of knows who's listening what we think of the whole series. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting with Frank because Frank was not a fan at all of the series. Well, I saw Mission Impossible the first one a long time ago. Yeah. I can't remember if I liked it or not, but I think over the years my opinion was probably clouded by the general perception of Tom Cruise, which I think can happen. I think it's happened to a lot of people. I think, yeah, it did. Uh, I saw the second one. I didn't bother rewatching it. So I, I rewatched one, three, and four because I didn't feel the need to watch two. Even and I didn't watch four when it came out. I, did, I hadn't seen four. It's the first time I'd watched it. Ooh. Okay, because again, I, because I had, I suppose, somewhat negative feeling towards the first one and the second one, I thought I never bothered watching the rest. I was like, oh, this series doesn't do anything for me. I'm not going to bother with it. Uh, so, I, but I forced myself to watch it, and I enjoyed it. So, start with the first one. Yeah, let's go to the first one. What do you think of the first one? Have you seen it recently? Yeah, I watched it last week, but I've watched that. I've seen. I love it's that good. Movie. Look, I read that. I saw it in the cinema. Uh, yeah, when Mich- the first few, um, certainly the first three, oh no, the first four, you could probably, they're re- really just vehicles for the director. 
Um, that's what's interesting about this series. Well, that's what Tom always wanted. That's to what's keep really it fresh. interesting um, about this series of movies, and, I, and we'll get to this when we get to the fifth. I don't think not, Macquarie's not isn't as renowned as the other directors. Were any of them renowned? Brian De Palma was. Yeah. J.J. Abrams' first time he ever directed a film. John Woo was, was one of the. John Woo was known. Yeah, he definitely was known. Right. John, John Brad Bird's first live action film too. But he's done Incredibles. What's Macquarie done? I mean, or Jack Reacher. Oh, Jack Reacher. That was, I think that was his first film he ever directed, like, of a major film. Yeah. I mean, he's written stuff before, like... But at the very least, it's, a, it's a showcase for the directors. Yes. And it gives them and, and it gives them all a... Yes, Nick? Oh, that's what Tom wanted. Sort of no, but, that, but that's an interesting thing. But that's why I think the series is surviving well, is yeah. because that's what Tom wanted it to be. He wanted it to be... He wanted every director to come in and give their own take. Yeah. Uh, I, I read when the first one was made, the script wasn't actually finished when they actually started uh, shooting. So they actually brought screenwriters in to sort of patch it up. And you can tell. It doesn't really flow. It seems a bit disjointed at times. Yeah. Also, I think Tom Cruise looks really young in it. Well, he is. Oh, uh, he yeah. is. And and it's not that he's immature or anything. He just He's not the hardened Ethan Hunt that we see now. I don't think he was at the stage where he, he wasn't he, hardened, though, yeah. of, uh, hurt enough to be the hardened Ethan, yeah. Ethan Hunt. But they um, did try to give a vibe of that they've done it for a while, the team, though, yeah. at the beginning of the film. Well, that's the thing about this so. series in general. Like, I've often spoke, like, uh, what did we watch last week? Oh, I dread. Snow White. And I said it'd be nice to... Oh, yeah, <laughs> Snow White, origin story. It'd be nice to have some background on dread and whatever. This is a series where you don't need it, no. right? They just drop you in. They, it's a heist or a mission or whatever. They do it. You don't care about, you know, his background, where he grew up or any of that sort of stuff. So it's just they show up. They get the job done. The first one's okay. Uh, it's good. It's very, like I said, it's very De Palma. Uh, so I heard it described a, a lot of, a lot of um, Hitchcock. Yeah. There's moments uh, in it, yeah. In it. That sort of, that like, fear, moment, that, that, and, that stress and, and that... Yeah, but yeah. just the shots. Yeah. Some of the close-ups and whatever. Uh, the movie was okay. Special effects look really dated, but that doesn't really worry me that much. It's just when you contrast it with what they're coming out with now. Like, I don't think Cruz was doing his own stunts back then. Or even if he was, they weren't obviously... Well, he was, doing, he was hanging from the ceiling and all that, but it wasn't yeah, as but over the top. it's not quite the same as what they are now. No, no. Right? It wasn't the series uh, that it is now. It was more espionage in the first film. Yeah. That's why I've always liked the first film style, because it has more it's of a, a It is a very different film. It's an espionage movie. There's no yeah. action in the first film until the end. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some elements, elements of it have dated in terms of like the technical stuff, like, like, like the computers and stuff. It's <laughs> funny to look back on it. The 686 processors <laughs> that we've yeah. got. Oh, wow. I remember those you know what in mean? primary school. Uh, <laughs> it was sort of but, written in that, even though it was mid-90s, it was written in that era where no one really understood what the internet was going to be at least yeah. yet. So... It, they use it as a plot convenience for a lot of... Like, war games. That's the problem. In the 80s is a perfect example of not knowing what the internet is. And that's almost the problem so. with movies that are on that sort of boundary line. Right, movies that are much older than the internet computers, you can take them for what they are. Mm. And movies that are modern, well, then we can relate somehow. But these movies that are sort of halfway in between, they just... For some reason, they haven't aged well. It's like when you see people with the massive cell phone or mobile phones and, and whatever. They just... You know, they, they look funny. Right, it just it, it can look a bit sort of not jarring, but um, yeah, the movie was alright. I don't love it as much as you. I really like it, but I'll go to Chris. I think the all. series has gotten better as it's gone on, but we'll get a to lot that of people we agree. Go. We'll set the second one. I don't mind the one from memory, yeah. but yeah. But uh, what do you reckon of the first? Uh, one? I really enjoy it. I think it's a fun uh, espionage film. It's it's def- it's not an action film, but it's yeah. I, I think Tom Cruise tells it. I, I can understand as fans of the Mission Impossible TV show, you'd probably hate it because oh, of felt. what it does. Well, the yeah. the actors walked yeah. out. Yeah, they refuse to watch it. Yeah, but it's, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's uh, yeah, no, I really like it. I really like it. I really like it a lot. When I was rewatching it, I actually had a memory of how much I really liked it. I, I had hairs in the back of my neck, excitement. Oh, really? When the when the music's dan dan when the music's playing and he jumps from the train to the helicopter. 
and he sticks the bloody gum on the helicopter. That is just awesome. That, that is That's awesome. Moment. Such an awesome moment. It's densely plotted. I mean, I, I never knew about them writing it up as it went because it always seemed to me, especially with the first four, looking at the first four only, that one always seemed to be the one with the plot. It actually had this plot that was kind of hard to follow. Like It was hard to follow, especially when I was little. So it's like... I didn't understand the first Yeah, time when I was, I was nine years old, I had no idea. I just thought it was cool. Like I saw the cinema and I had no idea what was going on. But I really enjoyed how it seemed to be smart, at least. It actually brought Robert Town in, who wrote Chinatown, to uh, fix it up. I like that espionage feel of a really dense plot. It just has a great plot about it. I like the paranoia of the movie, yeah. that when he's all alone, like after his team gets destroyed, which is actually a really good thing. I mean, we're going to spoil the old movie. Well, let's be honest, the, plot, the plots are a bit stupid. Anyway, but this, so it doesn't really matter. Well, the second, yeah. third and fourth, I would argue, have no plot at all. Mm. But I'm just gonna, but this one actually yeah. does have one, and I like the I like how the movie sets up has this team's going to be the main team. They're credited like the main team. Yeah, they're in the credits at the beginning. It's like a TV show credits. Yeah, which has become a tradition of Mission Impossible, and then they all die. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he's alone. And I love how he. I just love. Like I've said a hundred times. I love smart characters being smart. So I like when he goes into that hideout and he breaks the glass on the ground so he can hear the footsteps when he starts to do the hacking in the Bible and all that. I just like all of that stuff because it's fun and compelling. Yeah. I think Tom Cruise is. Well, I'm not going to get. I'm not going to. I'm just going to beat the dead horse if I say it every time. So I'll just say it now. Tom Cruise is amazing. I think he's, he's my favorite movie star in the world. He's a movie star. And he sells his movies by completely being in them. An example of this is when he hooks up the helicopter to the to the train in this movie. He hooks it up and he just like screams at John Ford. Like, ah, he just screams at it. And that's like, he's just in on the movie. Yeah. He's in on it. He commits 100%. He's in the movie completely. Except, see, Mission Impossible 2, he's not in that. So that's, that's the problem. But... I thought a really interesting thing about this is that did you know that Mission Impossible you never would have had the ending you had if Jurassic Park never came out just a few years earlier mm-hmm. because it was all like the CG to use they yeah. needed a lot of CG to do it which was virtually what was impossible and I remember them talking about it I think it was on the Blu-ray I must have read it or I saw it somewhere on a documentary about it where they were mentioning how that sequence was basically designed and they realised they could do it but oh we can actually do this now because they saw Jurassic Park a few years earlier yeah. so I think that's kind of amazing I think it holds up quite well I mean I know you're saying the effects aren't the greatest in the world but I think it holds up quite well considering it's very early CGI and 20 years yeah. ago. Like, it's fine. And the breaking into the Langley sequence is still amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. on the edge of your seat when he's holding himself up, catching his sweat. I just love it. I, it's, I don't, and it's not a perfect movie by any sense. And I do agree that it is a very... It's not a very smooth film. Like, it does... It seems a part of... But, that, yeah. but to be honest, Mission Impossible... No, this stuff too. We're not going to talk about two for a second. One, three, and four all have the same problem. I mean, yeah. I like them all, but they all have a disjointed feel. It wasn't into this new one where I actually mm. thought it had a smooth story the whole way. But we'll get into that in a minute. But that's it. That's my, that's that's my number one. I really like it. Brian De Palma rocks. And I, has he ever even done a movie like this? This was his only real action espionage film he ever really What's did. What's Brian De done since then? Well, since then, he did Mission to Mars. That's the last thing I can think of from 2000. Oh, of yeah. What else did Brian De Palma do since then? I've seen it. Oh, wait. I did. I saw one with uh, Numi Rapace mm. and Rachel McAdams. Which is like a sexual thriller. It's like they're lovers, and there's like a murder. Mi- I don't even remember the story. Black I can't... Dahlia he did Black Dahlia. Yeah, that wasn't a good movie. Wasn't that disappointing? Yes, you know he's done a lot. He's done Car- Carlito's Way in '93, Mission Impossible, Snake Eyes, Mission to Mars. Who's Snake Eyes? Femme Fatale. That- oh no, that's not the one. Black Dahlia, Redacted, Re- and Passion. Passion. That's the one I watched. That's all Passion. passion yeah. Well, I like Brian De Palma. I like his style. Yeah. But this movie doesn't have much of his style in it. Anyway, what do you think of his style, Scarface? I think of what. What is the De Palma style? I always well maybe I would I, say he's used that I he's always, a Hitchcockian style. Well, he's a Hitchcock movie. fan. He's yeah, a Hitchcock he's, fan. so that's not his style though. It's someone else's style. 
if you have to describe oh, yeah, yeah. the Palmer style, no, no, the Palmer I, style? I always, well, I always think of, I mean, this is probably because it's just such an iconic movie, but I always think of uh, Carrie? Carrie and all the split screen and stuff like that, and that yeah. great end scene. Yeah. It's very Hitchcock. That, that, yeah. That's Hitchcock all the way, that film, yeah. and he said it himself, but I always think of split screens. But I like Brian De Palma. There's something, I like him. Yeah. I think he's good. But anyway, that's Mission Impossible. Different number two? Mm. Oh, number two? Well, Frank has no memory of it. No, I remember it. Oh, well, a long time. Right? What's, just, what's your memory of number it's two? It's different from the others. Yes. It's a John Woo film. Which... It's the Tokyo Drift of the Mission Impossible series. But then Tokyo Drift's okay, though, at least. This is, and Mission Impossible 2, from memory, was okay. I love no. Well, at least the movie's got Vandy Newton. She yeah, is. you every girl in Hollywood. No. Oh, can I find women attractive? She's yeah, I'm not saying you I actually love how continental these movies are for its women. I don't, uh, is that the way to say it? <laughs> well, you've, you've had a French girl. Yeah. They're all beautiful girls, too. You've had a French girl. You had Vandy Newton. Newton. She's South you African. had Maggie Vandy Q. Vandy Newton's South African. Well, she's half Zimbabwe. Well, I remember looking at her. Okay. So she's... So, got, no, but... Yeah, but this is the how you mean continental. Yeah, movie. that's what I mean. When you say continental, I'm thinking European. Oh, but yeah. Oh, you're right. Then you had Maggie Q. Yep. Uh, then you had Paula Patton, yep. and then you she had, would, and obviously, yeah. and now you had a Swedish girl with Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson. Ferguson. So it's a very, very multicultural. It's a very multicultural. That's probably way to say. It. <laughs> hey, they're all gorgeous too. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we like, can get into that after. Which one's the best looking one? That'll be an interesting one. Yeah, that'll one. be a really interesting discussion. Okay, that's anyway, saved for later. Uh, yeah, you, you can save that for yourself. Um, I already number two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what do you think of number two? Oh, I haven't seen it for ages. Oh, I think I've only seen it fully once in <laughs> cinema. And that shows you how much I liked it. I didn't really like it. I thought, and I like Face Off as a John Woo film. Other than that, I don't really like John Woo. I don't like John Woo. But I really love Face Off. Like, love I, don't like face John, off. I like it. I it's something completely different. <laughs> I, what I like, I like, it is completely different. And like I said, it's a showcase for the directors. So. I mean, whether you like John Woo or not, he, he's done a lot of interesting movies. A few interesting movies. Hard Target. Right. And he's done a few interesting, but he's stylistically interesting. Oh, I, think... I have to rewatch it. That's the only one, like I said, I didn't feel obliged to watch it and time constraints. There's a few problems. there were other things I There's a lot of problems with the wall. This one has virtually no plot after the first film. The yeah. first, the first, this one's got some sort of virus that's coming out. It's got no plot. The first one had this complicated plot that maybe seemed smarter than it was, yeah. but it was still a complicated espionage plot. This one has no plot. Tom Cruise is in that part of his career now where he was on top of the world. And I love Tom Cruise, but there was a bad period. This is why he had the downfall, where he was on top of the world and he did a lot of camera mugging. He's a Superman in this film. Mm. He's got long hair. He's really cool. <laughs> he rides motorbikes. He does kung fu really embarrassingly. Like he, it's just not the fast physics. And it's not that's not Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible is at its best, in my opinion, with crazy stunts. It's at its best when Tom Cruise's back is against the wall. Like you know, he doesn't. He can't believe the situation he's in, and he's not happy to be in that situation. That's that's Mission Impossible and the team dynamic. But this movie has no team dynamic either. I think Rames comes back, an Australian guy comes back, you don't remember the name, but it's basically Tom Cruise, the action star. Ethan is not James Bond, and I think that's what they got wrong here. Because in the first movie, he's not a ladies' man. In the second movie, he's a full-on ladies' man. And that's not Ethan Hunt in any of the movies, yeah. is it? At all. He's not. But in this film, he's sort of the Bond. She's the Bond girl, he's the Bond. Yeah, there's one thing you love about Mr. Impossible 2, though, Fanny Newton, you see. She is... She's she's so pretty. I mean, every girl in these movies are all pretty. All, five of, all the five main girls are yeah. being amazingly gorgeous. Too bad her character is the weakest of all five of the girls and it's actually kind of sexist watching it now I realise how it's really dated like some of the opinions from the characters like Anthony Hopkins has a line about her and Dougray Scott there's just a lot of degrading going on and her role is very much damsel in distress which is in complete contrast to Rebecca Ferguson in the new movie who is amazing but to be absolutely honest Maggie Q Paula Patton we're all incredibly strong characters and it's sort of like a Maggie Q went one level Paula Patton went up a little bit, and then Rebecca Ferguson knocked it out of the... She knocked it out of the park. 
But that is for later on. Uh, well, let's let's move on. But I wanted to say really quickly because okay. I wanted to go through all the stunt. Did you know the stunt works in this one? Crazy stunt works. Mm-hmm. When he's climbing the mountain at the beginning of the movie, that's Tom Cruise climbing the mountain without a safety net. Well, there's a clip it. on YouTube that has the behind the scenes of all the stunt work yeah. for the movies. And he's climbing the mountain without the without the safety net. He's got he's got obviously a harness somewhere because they're not going to put Tom Cruise that high up. Yeah. But that's Tom Cruise, and no other actor in the world will do that. That's why it looks so good. It's not a CG shot. And one of my favorites. Oh, you're saying Chris Pratt wouldn't do it. One of my well, Chris Pratt wouldn't do it. But he hasn't got the charisma of Tom Cruise. He, he has the charisma he for Indiana Jones. He does. But no, but he hasn't got the intensity that Tom Cruise has no. in any of these movies. Chris Pratt. We've already saw in Jurassic World where he failed. Well, well, Chris Chris Pratt's new to. I mean, he could grow. He's Nick's he, he's new to movie. action films. Yeah. Oh, I love comedy. Chris Pratt. Too, yeah, right? I know. I, 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 I know. Just years. I mean, what's Tom Cruise now? Fifty. Yeah, fifty-three or something. And which how old is amazing. Chris Pratt? I, I would have to guess thirty-four. Tom Cruise. I'm making a guess there. Early to mid thirties, I'd imagine. Right. So he's got twenty years to Mission Impossible Two came out fifteen years ago. So it means Chris Pratt, yeah, see yeah. what he's doing in five years. Maybe he's climbing. Probably be wearing the fedora making me sick. And the, the fedora, fedora making me sick. Oh, fedora. You've got one over there. No, but I meant as in Indiana Jones are making me sick. Oh, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no, but I want to say one of my favorite stunts <laughs> is the knives. When he's having the fist fight with Jill Grey Scott at the end of the film and you have that shot of the knife nearly hitting Tom Cruise in the eye. Yeah. Well, that's actually, oh, yeah. that's, this is, that's Tom Cruise's eye. Jill Grey Scott had the it? knife and it had like a spring on it so it sort of like stopped right before his eyes and he couldn't move and he was there he went there and they, they shot it for real that's Tom Cruise's eye that's a knife a real knife getting thrusted at him and if it broke Joe Gray Scott would have murdered Tom Cruise on the set but this is why Tom is awesome and, and so, this is something we spoke about off pod like it wouldn't shock you if one day you heard Tom Cruise has dived in one of these stunts for one of these movies. Hopefully not, though. he's going to. Hopefully But not. we'll talk about that later. So I didn't like just, it. No one liked it. Mission no Impossible 2. No one didn't mind it. I am in 2. No one liked it. I was just summing it up quickly. Okay. <laughs> so no one really liked 2. Frank doesn't remember it too much. In other words, if I don't mind it, it's because I don't remember it. Yeah. So Mission Impossible 3, J.J. <laughs> Abrams comes in. It's just uh, an alias episode featuring that's, Tom Cruise. That's exactly yeah. it. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all right. It's fairly forgettable. The plot is stupid. However, there is I do no think plot, virtually. Philip Seymour Hoffman is the best villain. Is by the mind. best villain, yeah. and it's not even close. Yeah, because the other ones aren't very good. Right? There's no really good. But villains. the twist. Oh, John Boy. Oh, the twist, <laughs> the twist in this that. movie three is obvious as hell. Is obvious and but really stupid. Yeah, it's really stupid, and the movie really falls away. Oh. It was a real alias twist. Yeah, well, the, the whole that's thing what was... it was. That's why I said the twist happens. You know, three quarter oh, about fifteen minutes left of the movie, fifteen twenty minutes of the movie. I forgot that twist happened when I rewatched it, which is kind of amazing. You know, oh, I watch really? this movie every two years. Yeah. I thought I just can't remember. I forgot yeah. that. Went, oh, he's the bad guy. That's right. That's how forgettable it is. Right? It's how... it's <laughs> it was just idiotic. Yeah, no, okay. And then the movie sort of descends into just confusing nonsense. No, it's okay. And can I say Tom in the movie he has a wife. Oh, right? and a... she does become a superhero at the end. Sure, mine again. Well, I, I, I kind of well, like she's that. She's taken everyone out. And that, that's the J.J. Abrams thing, is he doesn't make... Yeah, he makes the women... He doesn't train... Yeah, how dare women be strong characters? She is no... But she is a oh, she's surgeon, two people, right? She's she? a surgeon, and then all of a sudden she's taking out CIA agent. Uh, not CIA, the, what's his name? I know who you're talking about. The, yeah, the, the one, the, the, the twist... Yeah, Billy Cr- the guy yeah. from Almost Famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah there Billy Crudup. Crudup. I couldn't remember Crudup. his name. Crudup? Almost. Or, yeah, corrupt. Yeah, I always call him Corrupt, but it's not that. Yeah, it's Crudup. <laughs> it's Crudup. Um, this is a Yeah, when she takes him out, like, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and obviously right. disables the bomb inside it's Tom Cruise's head. These are fantasy movies. <laughs> I never think too much about that. I, I, and the ending where like she's got to revive him, you know he's going to get revived. And it looks like she's just about to give up hope. And then It reminded me of Lost when they're getting Charlie. Charlie, yeah. Except with Charlie... It worked because I thought Charlie was dead. Yeah, well, when that happened because Charlie he did it so well because it took yeah, so, so you know, long. You, you, well, you yeah. know Tom's not going to die. You know Tom's not going to die, whereas you know in Lost, well, well knowing did. the way Lost is, they could just kill him off. Yeah, yeah. You, you really never know. It reminds um, me of that so much. Yeah. And the music and in that sequence soon. is like Lost too. Coming though. soon, Lost Pod. 
Because Michael Giacchino did the score for yes, this one, did. and it's by far the best score of the first three movies. But he, it's did, a bit, he did the fourth score. He did the fourth yeah. one as well. By far the best score up to up at that point, because the other ones didn't really have a musical identity except for the main theme, and the second one has yeah. a shit score because it's that guitar well, the crap. Well, really relies on the main theme. And that's it, but Basically, this one actually has a the score. Is ba- the most memorable thing of the series, I mean, a lot of people loved it, but was the theme. Well, yeah, it's like the Bond theme. It's very yeah. iconic. And But like this one actually had a proper score, but that sequence just sounds like Lost. Have you ever thought about that? I, 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 I haven't seen this It's got the Lost squeak. My out. sister was watching it for the first time ever, and she went, oh my God, Lost! Yeah. And yeah. But, um, so what do you think of the third? Don't you remember it? Or? I, I remember it. I liked it when I got there, because I was thinking it was far better than number two. Yeah. But it's really... And, and I love Alias, by the way, and I, I know you, think no, you thought it got a little bit too science fiction-y, but I, I got more... I re- I watched the whole thing. I watched it twice. Okay. But yeah, it was never anything special to me. There were some good good parts. It was a fun movie, yeah. but it wasn't. But Jay, was uh, this is really a spoiler. It happens thirty minutes. It's an old movie. It. I said to you, it's pretty brave. JJ Abrams killing off Kerry Russell Felicity, yeah. thirty minutes into the movie because when you watch it that with the opening scene, whatever you, you assume she's a major character. Yeah. And she was a, certainly at the time of the movie. She was a. Well-known actress. She might mm. not have been a movie star, but she was fairly well-known. Yeah, she was well-known. Right? So, and to kill her off after 30 minutes in play and keep Maggie Q and the others, I mean, that's a pretty brave move. It's kind of a shame, too, but I'd love to see Carrie Russell do more agency stuff for the whole movie, like be an agent the whole movie. Yeah. Which is great. It's good. She is. Uh, we, everyone loves Kerry Russell here. Even when she cuts her hair. No, well, that was just break, heartbreaking. I was looking at some old photos of her the other day with the fluffy curls. And I was like, oh, Kerry Russell. <laughs> but she's got glorious hair now. And that bloody other movie, I was looking at her hair the whole time saying, wow, you beautiful woman. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so what do you think of three? I thought JJ gave it a shot of adrenaline. That's what I read in my thing. Because that's what this movie needed. The second movie is lethargic. It's stupid. It's over the top. It's mugging. It's crap. And but it's okay if you have a really low standards. When I was rewatching, it's okay. <laughs> but it's not good. Yeah. But this third movie was a shot of adrenaline. All of a sudden, it was so fast paced. It was like this one was pretty stupid too. But it was. I like it. But, but it's, it's like, like it's when like, he gives the adrenaline to Carrie yeah. Russell, then she's a superhero as well. It's, it's like there was no MacGuffin. The, they well, the didn't MacGuffin, know what the MacGuffin was. was but was, so they just. Called, they called it the, the rabbit's foot, and you never really. Well, that's that's really irritating. I think and that's why it was the, smarter than that. That's why I like the first movie more. Yeah. Than this one, but this movie gave exactly what the series needed at the time. It, it reminded me a little bit of Star Trek Into Darkness with JJ in a sense because I think Star Trek Into Darkness actually has a better script. Anyway, I know some people might argue, but I think it does. Yeah, do. But Star Trek Into Darkness moves so relentlessly fast, you never think about how the plot doesn't completely click. Yeah. And it's the same with this movie. It moves so fast that you don't care. You're on to the next set piece before and you even worry about that. And that's what they're all about. And we'll get, and that's, that's what this one has more. This one just never... This movie never stops. Nah. Like, they go from... Mission Impossible 3 never they stops. They go it's from just... freeing her in Berlin. Yeah, I think it was which is Berlin. helicopter chase. Even and then they go to... Yeah, Jeez. the helicopter chase. Yeah, I think... The, the great Vatican break-in. And then the Vatican, great. which was, yeah, very That's good. the best part of the movie, isn't it? Yeah. Each movie has a... Each movie, the heart of it has this one great break-in, and that's the Vatican. But all that stuff's been done on Alias before. Yeah. Well, that's what it was. It was Alias with Tom Cruise. Big budget. Big budget. Philip Seymour Hoffman? Oh, he was a, he's by he, far the best bad guy. He was outstanding, wasn't he? he, he that's another way Alias starts off sometimes too. He like goes back 20 hours. Yeah. But I think it was better on a TV show than a movie. I think that's a sign of bad writing in movies and TV, but I yeah. care about movies more. When movies, because that means you haven't got a hook early on that you, you artificially make a hook. The, yeah. But it's such a great way to open the movie because it's just such an awesomely intense and like scene. And Resolve was fairly cheap, like I said. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was actually. Uh, and that's why I don't know about the what re. I can't believe oh, you right. forgot what happened because I don't know about the rewatchability of the third. No, I've watched. I like it. it, it it's true. It's you'd need to space out your rewatch like yeah. you said, a couple of years. For me, I'll, I probably wouldn't watch. I'd probably watch it one more time. It's been a few years since I watched it. Yeah. I can. I find the first and the fourth one much easier to rewatch. And I yeah. think I'm going to find the new one much easier to rewatch too. But I like the third movie. Yeah. The third movie is what it needed at the time. Quick Tom Cruise update on stunts in that sequence where he breaks into Shanghai and yeah. the Shanghai plays. 
Tom Cruise is on the road and that car... That's when a, he's the full crew. When they use the, you know, you know when that car full. hits him? Yeah. That's a car that they basically made sure that you know Tom Cruise is there, drive up to him and brake really quickly. That was a real car that hit him. Oh, really? So there you go. There's Tom Cruise again getting hit by a car too for his movie. <laughs> and it's in there for two seconds, but it's that intensity that always make these movies work. And I wanted to say about this film too is that J.J. Abrams... The story behind this is that Spielberg's friends with Tom Cruise. He's worked with him in Minority Report and uh, War of the Worlds already. Yeah. And they were close there. And J.J. Abrams and Spielberg were already becoming besties closely. Yep. And he actually gave him a box set of Alias, Tom Cruise. It's the story how he, the first two seasons. Yep. And Tom, Tom Cruise was somewhere. In the, he watched it basically in two days. And he rang up someone and he said, this guy's directing the next movie. He said, Tom Cruise went up to J.J. Abrams and he said, I want you to make that on a big scale. He wanted, oh, that, he wanted they, Alias yeah. as a movie. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it works. I think... You see moments of how good JJ is going to be instantly because a lot of first-time directors on a big budget wouldn't make a movie like this. Yeah, it wouldn't work. But you, the bridge sequence is is just awesome. You got the famous shot when the drone's blowing up the car and Tom is running to the camera, and then the car blows up and he goes flying, and the camera follows the drone the other way. And yeah. it's just that sort of stuff is like not. A, you can see that JJ is going to be more than this. Like JJ instantly knew how to make a movie, but and even he said this is his problem with this film sometimes is that. When it comes to the, like the just the normal talking scenes and all that, he's a little bit too much into close-ups in this film. Mm. It feels it's more like TV shooting instead of like movie shooting. Well, he in, said that's his problem. Do that well. In five stars. months, we'll find but he out. won't now. In five months, we'll find out. No, but he won't now. How much he's grown? No, but we, Four and a half months. No, but we've already seen Scary. how much he's grown because he instant. When you watch Star Trek 09, which was his next film, Star Trek 09 is instantly, basically, perfectly directed. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a scaled movie. It's a huge movie. Like, he said that was his problem with this film, and he fixed it instantly. But we already knew with action sequences that he could make a relentless movie. Star, Star Wars. New Star Wars is going to be this jolt of adrenaline. Just worry if this movie doesn't turn out. The new Star Wars is going to have a jolt of adrenaline that we haven't seen in Star Wars for, like, maybe ever, because none of the older movies are adrenaline We're going to have movies. to watch over Nick on the oh. way home. Not let him drive the car. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's uh, Mission Impossible 3. Uh, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, like everyone said here, or Frank said, and I think I he, agree. He's, he's the scariest villain that's ever been in the series. Because it's a personal villain, too. None of the. Like, they actually made a personal. So you said that Ethan Hunt never had a personal background, and you're right. But the third movie, JJ wanted to do that with a wife, and it worked. I think it was nice. It was the first time he yeah. actually had three dimensions, and it worked. Even though they kind of ignored it a little bit later. But, yeah. but not really. And, and yeah. But uh, you can't have a spy series with him married. No. Because it makes him unavailable, basically. Yeah. But then again, he loves his wife so much that in the next two movies, he doesn't he doesn't kiss any he doesn't make out with someone. Like he kisses Paula Patton, but part of the mission. But he actually doesn't. And, and she's a big part of number yeah. four, even if she yeah, she's had the part. You know. So I like how they actually kept to that. Mm. That he still loves her, and like in the new movie, they could have easily just done you know make out with some girl. But that's another story. Anyway, Mission Impossible Four, Brad Bird, a lot of people's favorite Ghost Protocol. What do you think of it? Chris? Yeah, it's my Chris. favorite. I really loved it. And, and you, well, I think we're talking about plots before, and you're right, there's not a huge amount of the plot, but I actually thought it was, it was quite a tight movie, even if it oh, wasn't seen tight, to scene. Yeah. And that's one thing, and I'll, I'll bring up, I think it's a bit tighter than uh, number five, which is, spoiler alert from my review. A bit bloated, which is, you thought? I'll, I'll go into it in the review, but I loved it. I loved, I loved number five. five. How long was number four, five? 130-something minutes. Seen quite long. Jack Reacher was like 130 yeah. minutes too, that's yeah. the Macquarie and, thing. Yep. Before was incredible. I loved it. Yeah. The, the scenes, and... I'm gonna still. I'm so you shouldn't have made me go first because you've already said this. But the scene in Dubai, it is. Even it though is. when you think about it, everything that they do just enhanced the bad guy's plan. And the the fact that the bad guy was wearing a mask, there was no reason for it. It was just awesome. It was completely awesome. <laughs> well, you can't have a, you can't you have to have a mask reveal in a Mission Impossible yes. movie now. It's a yes, tradition. you do. You just have to have a crazy mask. And I, was, well, I think it's also just a way of showing look. The Mission Impossible guys aren't the only guys who can use a mask. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. But it's just our tradition now. We're always waiting for them. And we're dealing yeah. with a serious <laughs> villain here. 
you know, even though he's not that frightening. Well, and his plan a is a bit crazy. silly. That's the whole point. But I don't care about but the plan. But he's committed to it, as but I, I see by the end. He's but, obviously clearly committed to yeah. it. I'm so ex- oh, that's he's true. Really I'm so him. excited about how well it's the set pieces are handled in Mission Impossible. Well, 4, that, but that's what Mission Impossible. Say, saying a movie has no plot like that doesn't. It's not. That's not paying out the movie at all because no, that doesn't need the one. The thing is, this is just a vehicle to go from amazing set piece to amazing set. Piece. And that's yeah. what this movie is. Because the, oh. the plot is. I know that you guys said this is your favorite movie, but the plot is utterly idiotic, right? I can't remember. It is. It's utterly idiotic. That there's this what this guy who's a, a university professor, board, a genius, 190 IQ, who his life's work is working at how um, humanity will oh, recover yeah, okay, from yeah. a nuclear war, no, and he's realised that humanity needs a nuclear war so that the species can evolve because you need like these you need these sort of massive events to sort of but that bring idea back is new like, life on that, Earth. I just thought he was right? insane. And, then, and he actually settled this in some major speech to and because they're watching it when they're in the when they're in the the railway the, the car. That idea is kind of interesting though because oh, it was, yeah, it's again, no, 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 but it, but it's not really well handled in the movie to any depth, in my opinion. No. But like the the newer Dan Brown book dealt with that a little bit too. Once you mention Dan Brown, like <laughs> yeah, right, you've just the entertainment. your argument <laughs> null and void. But it's a very interesting thing because a lot of people argue and I don't get into a whole politics thing that I have to delete for 20 minutes after I'm just saying that a lot of people can argue yeah. that like the Black Plague thinning out the herd was you, some a, people suggest the Black Plague was the amazing. reason for the renaissance yeah and, and when you watch the history Indirect. stuff it's actually kind of right but that's why it's an interesting thing but I'm not saying that there's interesting in this movie because yeah, there's one thing, like, the movie doesn't really so, so the Black Plague killed, I'm not sure what percentage of the European population a lot right? anyway yeah but but a nuclear war would kill off yeah no it's silly I said but I'm saying so it's, it's I, I'm saying it's silly I agree but I'm just saying that the overall idea is kind of interesting and could be explored in a good movie but this is a movie doesn't explore it, okay. well, yeah, it I, I don't think in the end but it doesn't deal with it like that I mean like some psycho saying that if I kill half this country then I can actually improve the country but see the problem with that is in a sense the, you would have to like it doesn't pick and choose you would just be wiping out half the population yeah it's true you know what I mean it's not like you're picking out like the strongest of the species or anything <laughs> oh, no. to create some sort of super race but we are we're overpopulated <laughs> right? in this world though it's true yeah we are overpopulated yeah and it's a scary thing so, so anyway but the, were... and the villain I thought was well, you didn't really see much of him did Michael... you? you saw less of him mm-hmm. than you did of all them yeah, probably. Well, not you, you don't see Phelps for long. Mission Possible Two. Mission Possible Two is actually I didn't even mention it. Mission Possible Two is actually a semi remake, and they said so too of uh, the Hitchcock film Notorious. Mm. But yeah, um, no, the villain wasn't all that. Compare. Nah, but none of them, n- except for Philip Seymour Hoffman, and I didn't mind the new villain. I didn't mind him. He was cold. But, yeah, but except for Philip Seymour Hoffman, really, I don't think the villains were that good. I mean, yeah, Jim was okay, but he wasn't like a menace in the whole film. He was a review in the last twenty minutes, yeah. and he's yeah. still cool. It's John Voight, but mm. but. Um, Villains yeah. have never been the big thing here. It's more about just breaking into some really cool place and yeah. doing stunts. I mean, they didn't even really need to go to the Burge. Really. It was but, just an excuse for them to no, yeah, show some amazing scenes. Yeah. Tom Cruise to climb the world's tallest building. And when you see the photos in real life of what he's on doing top, it. it's just well, amazing. They were going to rebuild the set and Tom was like, no, I'm climbing it. And that's why I love him. That's why I generally love the guy. And I mean, Nick is so excited he's jumping on a couch right now. I'm jumping on a couch. He was in love. That's why you worry, don't you? Not worry, but like if you heard, if you turned on the radio tomorrow and they said, "Oh, Tom Cruise died while filming," but that's why that's why Cruise versus the world or something. But that's why classic Bond films are exciting. That's why Jackie Chan movies can be exciting yeah. too, especially his prime. Because when you're watching it, and that's why these movies are exciting too. Because when you're watching it, you're watching someone who's in danger. I mean, they're yeah. not they're still controlled danger, but there's, there's a danger, danger to it. It's the element, of and it's that element that makes it more exciting than watching the Avengers fight on blue screen. Yeah. It's just yeah. exciting See, to watch. One, a lot of the first one was done on green green screen. The first movie, the yeah. The first one, and you can tell. 
because it was the first time they used CG yeah. in it. I don't think, and Tom Cruise wasn't the character, the actor we knew of yet with these sort of stunts. That's why the new ones really work. Apparently in IMAX, the, the number four was amazing. Oh, that's what Roger Ebert, one of his reviews, he always talked about how the screen just opened up and they had those vertical, like those it's, vertigo inducing yeah. shots Some over in full IMAX. Some of us aren't lucky enough IMAX. to have I- yeah. IMAX. So. Uh, but uh, I agree with Hargy about, I think this movie is very choppy, it's very episodic, yeah. the fourth one and the third one. Like All of them have that problem. Third one, definitely. But this movie has a half an, that half an hour period in Dubai is so damn yeah. good that it may, that's why it might the be the best storm? one still. Everything about it. <laughs> Even before the sandstorm, even like when he's Anything obviously gives Tom Cruise an excuse to run with his own yeah, <laughs> he's awesome. Everybody runs. Minority Report, <laughs> that but, running star. But he, but he's such a good runner. He's just back <laughs> But he, yeah, he's really like Michael Johnson. But him climbing the building is obviously as we were talking about. But no one's mentioned the sequence when they swap the floors and they're both ones making out they're the assassin, the girl, yeah, trying yeah. to sell the dog, and, they, and they're doing it. The same. It's just such and a and great the scene sequence. where they see, and this is the same scene, but where they see on Jeremy Renner the eye. And she realizes it's a trap. Yeah, right. And then they have the fight. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so great. Yeah. But that whole and then it's it, really good. And it, it never stops. It's actually really good. And it never stops because you've had that whole. You've had him climb the window. You've had that great espionage sequence where they're trying to play the trick on those people on the two floors. Yeah. And then you have got the sandstorm sequence, which is just awesome as well. Yeah. And then, and the ending is not as good as that. Like the movie never gets as good as that again. No. But I like the the fight in the that, car that garage. action piece. Is a ma- Brad Bird's first uh, yeah live action first live action film. He can direct action. But well, he, certainly his best. Live action. He he, he showed, <laughs> but he showed even though Tomorrowland, <laughs> Tomorrowland even though Tomorrowland didn't have a last act that inspired, and I agree with yeah. that. I've always agreed with that. But you could actually see. I thought you could see elements in his exciting sequences, like the house raid in Tomorrowland was really well directed. The, the house raid a, was the only exciting scene, of but it's movie. really well directed. It is. So he, yeah, no, he, no, Brad Bird has a really good, and I think it comes with animation. When you and you when you direct an animated movie, you're so in control of every element of the yeah. visual that he's probably the same in this. Because that movie, you're right. The spot's not the strongest in the world, but it's so damn tight. I must admit, yeah. I, I wasn't. It's the sleek only thing as I well. I don't really like is when the nuclear warhead. It's been disabled. Oh, it hits the <laughs> hits the building and just. Let's <laughs> mention that the fifth film. I like that. I liked yeah, it. It was the first movie to really yeah. connect. Mm. Like the fourth one had the Michelle Monaghan at the end, but really that was the first. Oh, movie. So that, that that had the Michelle Monaghan a lot throughout as a yeah as a vibe. What do you think? So that thought... end, not a spoiler, but showing the wife. I liked it because during the film when he wasn't married. And I actually believed in their love story because it worked in the third film. I, I believed in it. I was actually thought we were getting kind of robbed that they just dumped her again. Yeah. And they just killed her off screen. But I actually thought when they the way they revealed it, I thought that's the only way you can continue the yeah. series. Because I, you I, can't be married like that for the rest of the series. No, no, not anymore. But he didn't. I mean, it's spoiler, but he did. He didn't have a romantic interest, which I really like, meaning he's still in love. His wife is just going to be his own love in the series. Unless he goes sees Rebecca Ferguson. Did, the other thing that was disappointing about oh, yeah. number four was <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Ving Rhames wasn't in it. Yeah, oh, you miss, I missed him. Now, whether him. you believe him as a hacker or not. No, but, he, but he's so much right? fun. But he is. I wanted to mention. He's really good. My, and, and one of his first of acting appearances, Miami Vice. He's great. There, <laughs> there's something second, about... Second appearance. Second there's something yeah. about Ving Rhames. Credit to Michael Mann's casting... He um, needs to be in ...casting directors. <laughs> they yeah. had the most... No, brilliant. So I mean, we didn't mention. We're about to move on, but I'll just mention on here my favorite line from Bing Rames in the whole series is in the third movie when he's talking about Kerry Russell mm-hmm. and he's talking about how I trained her. She was like a little sister to me, and he's like, "Well, did you ever sleep with your little sister?" And I just love the way he delivers it. It's yeah. a funny line. I'm I'm glad they got him for a cameo in number four. Yeah, um, oh, and that, thank God. If, if they didn't do that, that would have been different. But you know, I really love Jerry Jeremy Renner's. Yeah. thing. I like uh, Jeremy Renner. I think he's. I thought he did fantastic. I thought there's a lot of humor with it. Simon Pegg, Jeremy Renner, yeah. Tom Cruise. Simon Pegg, we mentioned really, Simon Pegg. Yeah. Really good in his in his, and... his piece is growing. Every movie's yeah. getting bigger and bigger. To the fifth one, it's a buddy cop movie nearly. With yeah, Simon and Pegg. I feel sorry for Jeremy Renner, who was going to be that, who, who was probably going to be 
Simon Pegg, or at least the new Tom well, Cruise. No, now he's the been. The story ready. is that when yeah. um, Ghost Protocol was made, oh yeah, we didn't. Well, they that. weren't sure if. Um, well, Tom, was Tom Cruise was sort of, well. Yes, he was going old, and apparently they were a bit sort of unsure whether he was sort of going to go for this. He wasn't a box office draw. I Not anymore. He wasn't. After the, it wasn't yeah. a, uh, you had that Rock of Ages or whatever, the Rock yeah. movie did, and various. They didn't know if he was a box office draw, and plus there was a bit of sort of. Well, we know there was blowback against him for various incidents. Jumping there was, on the there couch. Was, well, not just jumping just on the couch. Just before the third movie, the effect of the box office. The Scientology incident of when he was on the NBC Today, where he had a oh, yeah, shields yeah, about yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen that so many times. And all that, just sitting on YouTube watching it. I watch documentary about Scientology <laughs> yeah. fascinates me. We it should is, watch it that. Is, it is fascinating. fascinating. Hey, yeah, go, so go. they brought in Jeremy Renner because A, they didn't know if he was going to be a box office draw, and B, because people were wary of him. And there was a lot of negative feedback towards him because... Of his antics. Yes. Yeah. Let's be honest. So, and, you know, he got up to everyone. Not his working. Though. He's always been a professional worker. The Scientology no, no, he, thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, because he's always been a professional. Jumping on the couch was Scientology related. I can't remember. Yeah, but that was just people. It was just him sort of, you know, being, crazy being unusual. Bit. And obviously there was the Scientology with the psychology and the drugs and saying you can't, you know, people were annoyed with him. So they brought Jeremy Renner in with the idea that he would be the replacement for Tom Cruise in any future sequels. Mm. But Jeremy Renner, his star never took off, did it, in a way? But he's really good in, in number four. I loved him in number four. I think he's yeah. really good. The only thing is, now that Tom Cruise decided, as whether he's recovered or whether it was never really, perhaps people never really disliked him. Maybe, uh, I don't know, right? Whatever's happened, there's been some rehabilitation. Well, he's the biggest star in the world before, right? and he wasn't but, after Whatever. It doesn't look like he's going anywhere. Nah. In other words, Jeremy Renner doesn't really serve a purpose. Well, that's why I'm going to bring but up. We can talk I'll bring, about I'll bring up an MI5. So I, I, the reason I brought up Jeremy Renner in the first place was just, to, was just to quickly bring up that I really thought that he and uh, Simon Pegg, they really brought a humour to the script. And that's another thing I liked about it. It was funny. It was uh, it was tight. The set pieces were amazing. And yeah, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, I reckon, is my favourite film. Of the five? Of the five. Pegg is really, really good. Pegg is always good. Mm. Like, he is always good. Pegg is great. In the third movie, he's not in it enough. And now he's finally taking it. No, he's not, is he? And he wasn't there yet in the world, but they've probably realised how great he is. JJ's become besties with him thanks to that movie too because now he's in Star Wars. Yeah. Did you you know that alien where that girl's sitting on his lap and he's like this big alien? That's that's Simon Pegg. Is JJ uh, is JJ besties with uh, the? Well, not besties with Who? Bond. Is that Daniel why he Craig? got in there? How did he get in there? Oh, because they were shooting in the same... The stage they're shooting in is the Bond stage, the famous Bond stage. So the whole cast of Bonds in the movie. movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you were going to point to the stormtrooper. <laughs> See that stormtrooper? That's really, really cool. That's Daniel yeah. Craig. I want to walk out. Well, he's in it. You never know which one it is, though. Tom Cruise, I reckon, is going to be you one too. Huh? You sing at midnight? You sing at midnight? Of course. Aren't we, aren't we going over? Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Thought I was. Now so you're going to leave one o'clock because of that. You're going to leave one o'clock. Take what? <laughs> you going to walk car, out? Take your car and drive on. <laughs> no. Oh, anyway, just not a Daniel Craig. But anyway, anyway yeah. that's that's the first four Mission Possibles. You've heard our opinion of them, and now we're going to have a short little break where we listen to the trailer of the new movie so we can remember what happened in it, and then we'll be back and we'll talk about Mission Impossible Rogue. Nation. If you choose to accept it. If you choose to accept it, but please accept it. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. No way, not yet. Wait, I don't know what I'm talking about. I want you to choose your next words very carefully. Where is Hunt? We've never met before, right? Before I'm ready. Ethan, where are you? The Syndicate is real. A rogue nation trained to do what we do. An anti-IMF. Ready or not, here I come. Here 
You want to bring down the syndicate? It's impossible. Desperate times. Desperate measures. Get your seatbelt on. You ask me that now! Oh my god! And that was from the trailer of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, the uh, fifth installment of the Mission Impossible franchise. This one directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who already worked with Tom Cruise a few times on, wrote the screenplay for Edge of Tomorrow, which is a fantastic film, wrote and directed Jack Reacher, yep. and obviously wrote well, and directed this movie as well. And Valkyrie. Yeah, he wrote Valkyrie before that, and The Usual Suspects, which is what yeah, people just know him for. Yeah, he's done for people to know. Because uh, yeah. I don't think he's quite as accomplished as some of the other directors, well, this... but he's not as accomplished as De Palma. Yeah. Just to let everyone know really quickly, we're going to talk spoiler-free for a little bit. We're going to get everyone's opinion very quickly, then we'll go straight into spoiler talk. And I'm, now I'll go straight into it. Christopher McQuarrie. When I first heard that he was directing this movie, I'll say, uh, I was worried. Because he never, like you said, never directed anything this big before. Mission Impossible was a big canvas movies. Like, even though uh, you said J.J. Abrams had never done anything, right, movie. before, movie-wise, he still had the background of Alias. So he had an action background. Mm. And uh, so did John Woo. John Woo had an action background. And um, it was less of a thing though because he was only following and up. John Wood, like you said, with animation, yeah, you've got you're able to direct animation. Well, you're did... able to direct action. Well, we didn't know about this one. Yeah, well, I didn't know how he was going to handle it because I thought he handled Jack Reacher very well, but that's a much smaller scale film. Yeah. And all I can say about this is absolute big tick. This guy directed the pants off this movie. I don't know if that's a statement. One of the best action movies uh, of the summer. The directing is absolutely brilliant. I mean, there's a sequence in this film, so I guess I'm going to go first. There's a sequence in this film where uh, an op- the opera sequence, which is oh, yeah. maybe the best directed sequence for like 20 minutes in a whole movie this year. Like just that 20 minutes is so... T- well, it's okay. Everyone has a different... But 20 minutes is so tight. Better than the action from Mad Max? No, but that t- sequence was it was riveting because it showed you... It kept on introducing new elements to the situation. Yeah. It kept, like there was all, I don't want to wreck it, but there's a, there's a situation that looks like happens it's going one way and then it keeps on adding these elements. And the way he cuts between all these elements, he's building attention the whole time. It's brilliant. It has Rebecca Ferguson, who's absolutely the MVP of this movie. I mean, we were talking about Tom Cruise for ages before, but she is the MVP of this film. Mm-hmm. She walks in like a Bond girl with the camera really low and she's walking in and she's like pulling the dress so she doesn't step on it. It's the way... Oh, um, with the high split. Yeah, and the, the music's playing it. And the, the way... The best way to say is that that sequence is just pure elegance. It's like Bond at its best when Bond was not what it is now, but like, you know, everything was elegant about it and it was smooth. The music was great. That whole sequence was just brilliant. I mean, I just, but I'm just saying that. Yeah, I actually, that was close to the highlight of the movie. That was my highlight yeah. of the film. I mean, there's a lot, but that's a great, the great thing about this movie that I think is an advantage Next over in the, background. the other Mission Impossible movies. Advantage is that unlike Mission Impossible 4, 3, 2, or 2, don't worry about 2, 1, 4, 3, and 1. Where I said all those movies are very episodic feeling, like uh, this set piece, this set piece, this set piece. This film felt like it told a story, and it didn't peak twenty minutes in. Even though the sequence was so amazing, it just continued. Just this, it flowed really well. It was tight, and it was a movie. Feel, uh, there was an element of set piece, set piece, set piece. Yeah, but yeah, it just I, seemed, I but it seemed from, like it connected from better. Set piece, the opening from the yeah, opening, oh yeah, and then you had um, yeah the plane sequence, which was amazing. But was, yeah, the plane sequence. Then we had the well, the major one, the opera. Yeah, and the underwater thing, the which underwater. was the big breakup so of the movie. Piece, I mean, yeah, but it seems like it's smooth because there was yeah. a plot line in between. Yeah. My problem with the fourth, like the third one, rabbit's foot. Yeah, whatever, doesn't mean the fourth one. I don't hate the fourth one, by the way, but the fourth one. I'm talking you about love the, the fourth one. I love the fourth movie, but the plot wise, there's nothing in between the action. No, to, but this movie actually had, and we're not going to spoil it here, but this movie actually had. The way I see this film is that it took the best elements of the first film and the best elements of the fourth film, and they had a baby, and they made the fifth film because you actually had a plot line that had. 
you know, this organization, this organization, double crossing, triple crossing. So it felt like a real plot, like well, a movie driven by plot. They actually mentioned the syndicate at the end of the book. Yeah, and so it actually had a plot line that was. That's a, that's what I think of when I watch a spy movie. I want that double crossing, triple crossing. Yeah. Who's on whose side? All yeah. that's fun. But then you had the set pieces of the fourth film, and I just thought it was just. It took them five movies to make maybe the smoothest Mission Impossible movie overall. It might not have the peaks of the Dubai sequence of the fourth movie, but I think it's a much smoother movie overall. Do you think it was the best of the five? I don't know. I want to see it more than once. Yeah. But I think maybe. It seems yeah. like more of a complete movie than all of them. Because mm-hmm. the first the first movie is very choppy, like you said, but it has a great plot yeah. and a great ending. The fourth movie has great sequences, but I don't think it has a plot and it's very choppy. I thought this movie was just... And not a great villain. Yeah. Either. This one didn't have a great villain either, but it had I a better villain. But this movie had a few advantages. It had a smoother story. It was a better villain than the fourth one. It had a better villain, smoother story, and it had Rebecca Ferguson, who is just completely better than any of the females in the other movies, by a mile, in my opinion. Anyway, I can't. Uh, Frank's thinking about it. Was good. Yeah, but she had nothing to work with compared to this one. Like this one actually this had. One, a yeah, really yeah, and that's the thing. This one has a, like it's not that Rebecca Ferguson is better. Oh, it's she's great. That the role is better. Oh yeah, it's great. Like it's not like you, you could have put another actress in it and she. Yeah, but could I think have been that was too. That was I part mean, of part, it's part Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, but it's part yeah. of the role was written. Too. Oh yeah, but that's yeah. part of the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, she is by far the best female character they've had. Yeah. In the movies. Oh yeah. And 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 I think she's part of. It's just a great movie. I mean, I really liked how. I mean, Huggy kind of disagrees a little bit with here, so it'll be interesting in yeah. a minute. I thought his back was against the wall a lot in this movie. Like it was sort of like Die Hard, not exactly, but in the sense that. He has to do these crazy things and he doesn't want to do these crazy things. Yeah. He's like, oh, bloody hell, I've got to do it though. And that's the best sort of action hero is someone who's not invincible and they don't want to be there, but they have to do it. And that's why he was, he felt like his back, his back was against the wall a lot the, in this film. The bit where yeah. he's doing, yeah, I liked it. there's a bit where he's about to, he, he's told to do a, a particular, uh, a particular heist and Simon Pegg's character is like, oh yeah, just another, another <laughs> easy one, <laughs> yeah. Faith and Hunt, you're looking at his face. That, that was amusing. And oh, that was quite great. Smart. Although they did that in the fourth one too, where he says, "Oh, look, it's easy. Just put the gloves on." And yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it? Greed is good, and red is dead. Yeah, <laughs> so that's great. But Simon Pegg, I mean, he's another MVP. Yeah, but I think everyone adds a lot to this. I mean, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise, so it's it's a given that he's awesome, in my opinion. Rebecca Ferguson was a great add-on from the yeah. other movies. She was better than any other females, yeah. like I said. But you had Bing Rhames, bigger role. Bing Rhames was, was, to see. It was good to see him back. I Jeremy thought Jeremy Renner was the only fun. Thing I say about Jeremy Renner is what we'll talk about before. Um, he was forecast as a replacement for Cruise. He's clearly if Cruise not anymore, isn't is going to leave, and I don't think he will. He loves these movies. No. I think he absolutely loves these movies. Then Jeremy Renner wasn't really needed. He didn't have much a role in this movie. But he was fine. He was funny when he was on. Yeah. He was entertaining. Yeah. You know, the early scenes, and this isn't a spoiler, there's an early scene where they're in the, in front of a Senate yeah. hearing, and he was entertaining. But he doesn't really serve much of a purpose, does he? He, he didn't get any action. But really. it was fine. No, not really. But I liked his... I liked, but I don't think Jeremy Renner is a leader of a movie that much. I actually think he probably but belongs But what he was in this a... movie was Hawkman. Uh, what's his name? Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Hey, he, he was a highlight of Avengers 2. He was, Hawkeye, he was just a yeah. side... Really, he was a side character. That's okay though. But he was a humorous and enjoyable. He was like Hawkeye, character. yeah, humorous, and he had one important major role in the movie, like Hawkeye and in did Avengers, it well. and yeah. he did it well, and then yeah, and maybe that's what he's destined to be. Yeah, I mean, he can't, I mean, the, the reason why this series is working still right now and it's had its rebirth right now is because of Tom Cruise. But anyway, he didn't have anywhere so. near as much of a role as he did in the fourth Ghost movie. Protocol. Yeah, no. Uh, and Baldwin, great. Yeah, he was. He's always great though. Um, his character is. I wrote it down. It's it's as typical, and this is not a spoiler in the trailers. He's the typical CIA agent who is turned against uh, our main character to make things more difficult for him or to make him work on his own. And he's he's that typical douchebag CIA or government director that just wants to hunt hunt him down and doesn't care about well, huh, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, and I just thought 
in any other movie or maybe with anyone else, it'd just be maybe a bit way too cliche. But it's Alec Baldwin doing it. A real typical Baldwin. Uh, yeah. And yeah. it's what he does. Just watching him doing it, I loved every you know, scene he, he was he, in. I wouldn't mind if he returned back. I hope they do return back because this series has a very bad reputation and it really does. A lot of people just, uh, people just disappear. Anthony yeah. Hopkins. Uh, Anthony Hopkins for one. Yeah. Wasn't he in one? Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne's Fishburne the third one. Three. He has the best line it's of that Lawrence, movie. I'll bleed on I the mean, flag to make sure it stays red. Lawrence Fishburne, you assume he is the bad guy, but he actually isn't the bad guy. Because, yeah. because um, Kerry Russell thinks he's the bad guy. Uh, I thought... Oh, I loved it, too. I thought it was great. Um, I, I didn't find it as tight as the fourth one. I didn't think the set pieces were ever as good as any of the set pieces in the fourth movie. And I didn't find the humour uh, and like sort of the, the adventure as good. And I'm saying that as someone who absolutely loves to pieces Mission Impossible 4. So I'm saying that... I, I put that as my favourite. And Mission Impossible 5 is... Definitely top three, maybe even second favorite. I think that's a clear. I think it's safe to say, and if someone wants to disagree, that one, four, and five are the clear best three. Absolutely, I think they're clearly Absolutely. the best three. Two and th- three is in media. Ab- three was what three it had to decent. be at the time. It had to, I'm not going to comment on two until I rewatch it. Yeah, I might watch two and then be like, "Well, I actually don't mind this movie." There's oh, a lot of times I've since I watched it. Um, I it felt a bit long. That's the only thing I say about it. I do think it felt a little long. It yeah. did feel a little bit long. Oh, but, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Fine and again, that's another reason why I didn't think it was as tight as the Yeah, yeah. and I think not, not, not hugely long, but it did. It was that in the 33 minutes or so? I know you love the um, plane sequence and everything. Oh, oh that too was exciting. Geez, the problem is good. the Burge was re- it, it, it's hard to upstage. It. I think and I don't it kind of did, I don't nearly. Think it did. For me, I don't think it nah, did. I thought yeah. it was an entertaining scene. But I thought the sequence thought was, was great. With Simon Pegg not opening the door right. into a satellite using a tablet. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. Right? But. I just don't. I think it's such a hard scene to upstage. I thought Look, it was brilliant. I don't think they ever will be able to. I don't even know. How I, I, I thought the plane thing was brilliant. I thought it was really it was fun good. scene too because like he opens the wrong door. No, the other door. No, that was yeah, funny. It, was, it was funny. It was entertaining. Yeah. And that song. And then the, and the way it was a perfect work. beginning. The way he just like looks at the guy. They're looking at each other. He's in shock and he puts the parachute and goes yeah. down. And then dun dun You're like pumped. It was a great beginning, but it didn't. The overall scene in um, Dubai, it didn't. There was not. It was all. Well, that scene wasn't trying to top the Dubai scene. Yeah. This is the beginning of a movie. It's sort of yeah. like the Bond cold opening. Well, I do. Th- I mean, the cut, the chase in this was amazing. Yeah, well, that's another thing from Jack Reacher. I mean, the highlight for a lot of people, even if they didn't like Jack Reacher, was a great car chase. It's all practical mm-hmm. and, and the amazing. And the way the chase ended. And this car chase in this one was another. The motorbike chase was brilliant. We the way the chase ended was amazing. I don't know if we can get into spoilers there, but. Oh, we'll talk about it in a minute. We'll, but, but we'll, see, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I, I want to talk about it. This is as much a movie as set pieces. But, but that uh, motorbike chase is one of the... You, I, want, I would ask someone to ask, tell me a better bike chase in a movie nearly. Like, that was... I mean, I don't know. Maybe there is one, but it I was just... Know. Well, what's uh, a better car chase? The POV shots with the bike and stuff what's like that. What's a better just, car chase? Oh. A car chase in Blues Brothers? No. The only one... I mean, Mad Max this year had car chases that were amazing, but they're very different. Sort they of were completely different. Because that's what the movie was. I don't know. I think it's one of the greatest. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe some of the camera shots. It was all practical. It was amazing. Yeah. It was just amazing stuff. It, this whole movie is amazing. I didn't even think about the car chase. That's how much I liked it. I thought the background characters, uh, Luther and... I can't remember Jeremy Renner's name. William Hawkeye. Brandt. William Brandt. Oh, yeah, too. I thought, I thought uh, they were really good together. Yeah, buddy cop. They um, did when they got the four-wheel drive. Oh, yeah. my God, and the turn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That yeah, was that sensational. Was Seven point two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh god, it was a good movie. Um, Such yeah, an enjoyable look, time. I'll be honest. Look, I'll just while Chris is thinking, I, <laughs> it takes a while. <laughs> <laughs> while Nick's, you suggested, oh, we've got to do this for a podcast next week, and I thought, is that really podcast worthy? 
Mission Impossible, but it actually was. It was actually really, really good. I was pleasantly surprised, and I think I messaged you after the movie because I saw it first. I was very confident. And I actually too. said that um, it was that you'd like. That obviously, you'd like it because there are many movies you don't like. But no, but this um, is a really good movie. But it was actually, this is right up there. This is way better than it's a really good Genesis action. For Jurassic World, yeah, already, it's right? a really good action. Oh yeah, it's much better than Jurassic World. Much better than Terminator. Yeah, it's a, probably the would you say the second best action movie we watched this year. Yeah, it's hard to top Mad Max. It's That's just so saying. hard to top Mad Max. But this is the second best, Probably. easily. Would you, would well you, would better you call than... Pixels uh, an action film? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, it's a lot better than... I think it's a lot better than Jurassic I was saying it's to, clearly better than I Terminal. said to my sister after we watched the movie, he says, how, was it, how good is it to see a movie that's a big budget film that's not a freaking guy dressing up in tights fighting someone? Well, you I, know what's amazing? I just love seeing movies that are not superhero movies. I love spy movies. I'm a Bond fan. It's I love amazing. these We gave movies. positive reviews to Terminator and... Well, not really, though. To Terminator and Jurassic World to a degree. Hold on. I like Jurassic World. Yeah, me too. I like I it, really but it's not like good. But, it, but, I, it's not I, I good. but if if this is this is, this is good, but I think we need to start reviewing a bit harder because I mean, this should be our benchmark, not benchmark. This should be sort of like this is what is good. I don't think Terminator Genesis was, was a positive start, review. It wasn't a positive. review. I think review. we started off. Oh, we, we kind of enjoyed it. By the end, we realized it was crap. And Jurassic World, we learned that on the We Jurassic World from the beginning. We said that it's not a good movie, but it's so much fun, and that's exactly what it is. It yeah. wasn't a and good it movie. Succeeds, but it succeeds in that but this movie is actually a good movie. Yeah. yeah. And this is fun. flat out a good movie. Um, oh, that's what I want to say too. You say last week or two weeks ago that Sam Mendes, and I've heard that you might not be coming back for the fifth movie or the next Bond film with Daniel Craig. You've got your director now. Christopher McQuarrie is obviously a Bond fan, and he, it has to happen. I mean, this is the guy you get. Not Christopher Nolan, you get this guy to direct a Bond movie. Oh, switch it. Switch it. They've already guaranteed there's going to be another Mission Impossible. But you don't get him to direct it because I like to keep the tradition of different no, no, directors. No, 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 Sam no, Mendes. no, it's Sam Mendes. Oh, if he wants to do it, why not? Who do you think should do Sam Mendes? But then, potentially, but we've already kind of got our get, bond. You can't, have, you can't have, obviously have. Um, you can't have Macquarie just the way it's been going. Yeah, no, I, think it, I, do, I think it might be Christopher no, Macquarie. I don't want him to do it again. I don't only because I like I like the idea of different directors. But I think it might be because he's so close with well, Tom Cruise, and they, they, they want to get it done quickly. But I, well, they do want to get it quickly, don't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Actually, with it might be some news, but yeah, I would rather him do the next Bond film than the next Mission Impossible film. Because I think this movie—I mean, you talk about how you don't like Bond and all that stuff like that. This movie is—I've never really given Bond a chance. This movie is Bond all over. I mean, it's a little bit different because there's a team dynamic here and there with the break-ins, but this is a Bond movie. When you got the opera scene with the girl, like the femme fatale and the dress and the gun—that's a. Are we? You're going to put some spoilers in? Or yeah, let's, yeah, we're going to do that in a minute. I just wanted to say Christopher McQuarrie to direct James Bond, and to be honest, I'm not special there. Everyone is saying that because you watch this movie, and this is this is the best Bond film since Casino Royale. Um, the last two haven't been as okay. good. I mean, I, I like him, but I don't like him to the level some people do. I don't think Skyfall was the masterpiece that a lot of people think. Okay, well, quick sum up. Everyone liked the movie, obviously. So go check it out. Go check it out in the cinema right now while it's playing on the biggest, biggest screen possible. Then come back and listen to the spoiler part. Spoilers in three, two, one. What do you think of the bomb sequence? Yeah, what do you think of the bomb sequence? I actually thought it was really good. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed how he he won up to that bad guy. Yeah. That bad guy's really cocky, and he basically said, "I always knew it was going to turn to this, turn into this yeah. part." And he went, "Me too." And I thought, "Yes, go Thomas." And I really liked the ending with Rebecca Ferguson in the sort of like that those dark nighttime sort of structure, wherever she was, and you know she fought that yeah. guy with the knife fight. I really liked that because it, it just for whatever reason it gave me reminders Vindor, of a hit. The bad like, guy with the knife Vindor. that she had a little bit of enemy with. I really liked that fight because a. A, they didn't treat her like Black Widow in the sense of... They treated her like realistic because most women yes. in general, especially him, she's, he's physically stronger than her, so yes. she had to fight him by being a better knife fighter and be smarter. So uh, actually, and also climb on top of him yeah, that's what I mean. and flip him yeah. with her legs but that's what I mean. and then stab but him. Didn't that, but didn't that seem a little bit better than someone oh, just being... Yeah, ma- oh, realistic. Okay, fine. 
No, I didn't say realistic. I said that I liked how it felt because it felt like she was fighting someone who was bigger and stronger and she had to outwit him yes. to be more skillful. And I like that. But she also had, uh, obviously, her training enabled her to get yeah. physical superiority over him. And I, yeah, you, she knew how to use through, her stuff. Through the use of position. And, and there was something about that sequence that gave me a Hitchcockian feel with that whole nighttime the light, thing. The lighting. The lighting. And, it just felt like real yeah. mysterious, like a hit, watching a Hitchcock thriller instead of a fighting movie. Because it, end, it didn't end with a big explosion or anything. It ended with that sort of Well, this fight. movie doesn't have... Like aside from the car chase, I'm trying to think of the major explosions in it. Was it motorbike? That, that was it. The that was the only explosion, really. The bike, yeah. And the explosion of the the guy. In the, but I really like that sequence because it gave That's me. It. it actually reminded me of yeah. Charade a little bit for whatever reason. Okay. You know, I mean, it's not a Hitchcock film, but it just reminded me of Charade. The opera scene is MVP of the year for like just a 20 minute sequence. I think I I couldn't believe how tight it was. That's why I want to see it again. If you had the different shooters. Where he was tracking someone down, they found one shooter, they found her as a shooter, then we found the other shooter across, and inside, without telling you, without telling you the exposition or whatever, they actually showed you visually what was going on, and you started to work it out with him, and it was really good. It was such a suspenseful sequence with him fighting on the thing. Overmatched, yeah. Tom Cruise being small and overmatched Much by this bigger guy, which was a fun sequence. And, and due, the- due to be iconic for this movie is her putting her leg up with a gun on the thing. Yeah. I mean, that is just sexy. If she's, everyone's going to kill me, she can kill me like that. <laughs> up. I wanted to go back to the ending, but we seem to go oh. from, straight from the ending to the... To oh, his, great ending. And I like how they tracked him and all that stuff, too. That's uh, really smart. I liked it, but I, over, overall, I thought... I don't know. I, I thought the syndicate in the end was a little bit underwhelming. It turned out more and to be about Ethan Hunt versus this one bad guy rather than Ethan Hunt versus the syndicate. Like a battle of... Like, and the syndicate didn't seem to be this huge thing. It seemed to be a few people... No, but isn't that the way it always is? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was Ethan Hunt... Or if anything, it was IMF versus Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, his assistants were useless. Like, it was only really him. Yeah. And then, same in the last one. Really, in Ghost Protocol, the the, the villain, if anything, the villain's the more accomplished one because it's him course. against the whole group. But in number five, they keep talking about how he has to go under, you know, deep undercover away from the CIA to break down this huge yeah. network, the syndicate, and it turns out to be one of a few people. I mean, well, no, no, no. Maybe it's supposed to be all those missing secret agents. There were hundreds of them. Yeah. You just don't see them. It's just he's obviously got all the. Well, that's the, that's Mission Impossible Six uh, where they track down the rest of the people. And maybe I'll well, that's the thing that. because they froze him in a box. Well, then freeze him. Yeah. they smoked him in a box. That so was great. The assumption that's that, that cool it's too, whether they're going to use him or not, I don't know. Maybe, they, they, maybe they that's don't the reason have they. To, they but maybe that's the reason why the second one, can, the next one, can be made so quickly because maybe bring, it will be yeah. much more of a sequel than the rest. Yeah, you can bring Ferguson back um, in too to help track because, down. Because actually, like remember, somehow he ended up on a boat with hundreds of photos. I don't know how he ended up on that fully kitted out boat, but that's Mission Impossible. That's the way it works. Um, and he had the photos of hundreds of secret agents that had all been presumed dead yeah. or gone missing, and they're all part of the syndicate. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a lot more villains there. But I, I mean, liked obviously, I, what's but his, I can't remember what was his name in the movie. I can't remember. I, don't know. I liked how... I mean, I understand how he's problem, but I actually liked, for the first time ever, I liked how it was a battle very between little two problem. people. But I think the thing yeah. is... But like that the whole ending start. with the bomb was really fun, how they were upping each other. And, and that, that's great. Yeah. I thought that was really good stuff. And it's just... I guess they, I wish they kind of, they'd made it more about that rather than... Because it yeah, seemed maybe. like the first two-thirds was, let's find this whole syndicate group, and then it was, oh, no, we'll just get the this guy. The only other thing... Sorry for interrupting you, Frank. No, no, sorry. Just before I go into... When I look at, we all do, we all do it. We um, look at the whole, the whole story is they were trying to manipulate, and please, please let me finish before you go to manipulate Ethan Hunt to do all this work for the bad guy whose name I can't remember at the moment. I hope Frank's looking it up. Um, and they do that by shooting this girl in the record store. It just, it just seems a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. It seems when you think about it, 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 it kind of falls apart. They killed Solomon this, Lane, was it? Oh, yeah, maybe. 
He's real, his real name's Sean Harris, but it's... Um, oh, we can't call him Sean Harris. He called him Sean Harris as well. Solomon Lane. So, Solomon Lane, yeah. I knew it was Solomon something. So he kills this woman that he, you know, he's, he's only met once before, oh, and then suddenly there's this huge vendetta that he needs to find this guy, and yeah, he's that's obsessed. That's what Tom would do. Tom would let a get shot. I just thought it was... It wasn't much But he was already after the syndicate but before. This it, was but it, it was a part. personal vendetta for him by the you end. Reckon? And people thought he was obsessed Yeah, with because it. he was obsessed at the end because but, this guy was outsmarting him too much or maybe. So that, oh, in, in the back of my mind, that felt a little bit off. However, Tom Cruise sold yeah. the hell out of it. Yeah. Like, he sold the hell out of it. So, it, again, these are things I thought... These reasons why I said, oh, look, I don't think the plot was as tight. But in the end, there's such little minuscule things. I don't, but see, I, don't I, really, I, I don't really get care. what you're saying. About it being a vendetta and, and whatever. Yeah. But I always thought the reason he was going after the syndicate was more to find out why they didn't kill him. Maybe. Because they never, they could have killed, like, because uh, yeah. Solomon Lane could have killed him. Yeah. Really. Once he had him, and, and, and they could have killed him at the start. But and he, he knew, chose to keep him alive. And he knew that thing was Because he to get knew him. that Ethan would come yeah. after him. But Ethan probably wanted, if you have, if Ethan, if he's captured, you'd think that you would kill him. But he probably wanted to know why he wasn't. Yeah. Whether the intention was to bring him into the syndicate, I don't know. Because the thing that I annoyed me a bit of the movie is um, Rebecca Ferguson's character, uh, Ilsa, she failed. Like, Ilsa. she was with the syndicate. No, but she was, she was with MI6. She was, MI6. She was with MI6. Yeah, this is the good and part, And then so, with the syndicate, MI6. but you didn't know, and you didn't know if she was a double agent or a triple agent. She was agent triple, or what basically, she was doing, really. Right? Triple crossing. Yeah, triple crossing. Which is great. That's spy movies. Yeah, I know. I know. What I'm saying is, when she was working for the syndicate, she failed so constantly. Right, that it's hard that someone like him, who was uh, Solomon Lane, would tolerate that. Well, he actually but, says in the movie, he says, "Look, I know, you know, I know there's something great about. It. I can't remember the exact words. When they're outside, I think they're at a cemetery or something, and he says, oh, I know there's something great about you.' Blah blah blah. I think you're going to join us. So I get he wants to keep her around, but eventually you would tire of the failure and you would kill her. But her failure ended up working in his uh, favor because he wanted all that stuff. Yeah, 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 but the problem is you don't want a villain who's so omnipotent that he plans for all these failures. Well, he did. It was yeah. stupid. And that, that, that's, but, yeah, but that's one you of know the what I mean? It's a fantasy spy film. I mean, we're not, that's why I don't care about that. I mean, that you've got to take leaps with these movies. I just like the fact that there was Triple Crossing and MI5. MI6, I was hoping Bond would show up. I was, you know. <laughs> I actually thought she could play a female Bond after they ever made a female Bond, but she's not English, so maybe not. Oh. She's not English. They've got to have English That Australian people. Bond? Yeah, no, that, was, that didn't work that out Scottish too well. That Scottish Bond? Yes. Scots aren't English. Okay, from the U- United Kingdom. Okay. Because <laughs> you got me there, that's true. But and he was the best Bond too. By the way, how many times does Tom Cruise get disavowed? I've got this in capsule letters. How many times does <laughs> Tom Cruise get disavowed well, she was seriously? Disavowed too. They'll never understand. Like, they never it, understand how every, good he is. Every, every movie. Oh, yeah, now you're on your own. You don't work for the IMF anymore. <laughs> They'll be back at the end. We know he will be. That's why I didn't matter. I didn't think spoilers matter. That's what about Alec Baldwin now, the head of IMF. Yeah, that's but Alec we were saying before, so awesome, I was hoping it would be. really interesting. I don't think you can bring Baldwin in to be the head of IMF and not bring him back. Well, they've done it before. I mean, I mean, That's the well, thing. No, but, but Lawrence Bold- Fishburne is a good actor too. Lawrence Fishburne's a good actor, but he's not as big as Baldwin. Yeah, but he's a, at that time he probably was, no, not, he wasn't. no, he wasn't as big. But no, at that time he was just coming off the Matrix. He Anthony just Hopkins. Power. He was Anthony big. Hopkins too. Yeah, yeah, but Anthony Ho- Hopkins older. Actually, I don't know if he was at the time. He wouldn't have been. Did you know an interesting fact? Here's an interesting fact. Did you know? And I hope this is right, so I'll delete it if it's not right. <laughs> but I think this is right. John Voight yeah. was, in the first Mission Possible was five years older than Tom Cruise is now. Isn't that oh, really, really funny? Look how much younger Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Mm. He's not like, aging, is he? I mean, he's clearly older. If you watch the film, oh, yeah. like, you know, he, but he's he looks he's fit, man. He's good for his age. If I was fifty, I'd like him. Could be HGH. Fountain of youth. Maybe. But uh, you know, I like Alec Baldwin. The car I hope chase he comes was amazing. Back. The, car, the motorbike chase was sensational. 
especially the motorbike part. I know the car chase, car chase was good, but just the way some of the camera shots were taken for the yeah. motorbike is really cool. Yeah. I was sitting yeah. in the cinema going, geez, this is cool. And the way it ended too with her. Well, he has issues with the ending. You know what? I do. Yeah, I would have cleaned her up, but. Um, <laughs> you can clean her up. That, that wasn't my issue with the ending. <laughs> Give it the ending. Okay. So, this is the only bit of the movie and where I started to think Bruce Willis Die Hard 5, oh. where suddenly. This man's a bad compliment. That's not a compliment, and, Sorry, I'm, next thing he's going to be calling it Transformers 4. No, 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 I didn't mean it like that. But I was thinking Tom Cruise just died before that scene, right? He died, yes. got brought back to yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Then he got into oh, a big car yeah. fight. And a hilarious bit where he's trying to jump over the car and then he messes up, which <laughs> yes. is amazing. Which I don't think Tom Cruise 15 years ago would have done. I think this is why yeah. he, he's taking himself a little bit less seriously. Yeah, it seems which is at least. great. But then suddenly he's in a big car fight, gets into a massive car accident with the cars flipping, Yeah, gets out of there okay in a motorbike with no helmet, yeah. trips over Tom and then Cruise. ends up walking away from it. I thought that was a little bit was too... He was in a hospital bed, wasn't he? Well, nah. he was in recovery. Nah, he he was was sort of bed. Bed. Yeah. That's fine, though. We don't want to see Tom Cruise all, like, bleeding out. But it was just... Movie. I would have liked to have seen him a little bit more uh, after the death scene, just to make it a little bit more exciting, as in... A bit of a limp. Uh, uh, well, maybe, you know, maybe he's just not doing as well trying to fight back. And, and this... It, it just... It maybe took me yeah, away maybe. from that. Yeah. Maybe. I thought, considering the rest of it, I agree with you, Nick. He did have his back against yeah. the wall, and he seemed like the older Yeah, like when, he was, under, uh, when he was in the water, yeah. she came and saved him. Which was great. And that was really good when she came down. And that was great because that was the first time she betrayed him too. So you, that's something you completely don't expect. Yeah. Because so she just she just risked her whole life to save him, and then all of a sudden she beats up Simon Pegg and takes the thing. And that's what I liked about it because you never knew what side she was on, and then she was on this side and that side and this side. Did, and my did the CG oh. bother you in the the water bit? No. I love the water scene. I like the water scene. What CG is in the? I didn't really when, care when about the CG. When he's swimming around, really, there's, only, there's only one way they could have done that was yeah. CG when they're flying away. It just took me out of it a tiny ah. bit. He was actually no on the water for. Uh, he can actually I'm hold sure, breath for the for three minutes. I'm sure he did most of it. And there's that one scene where it's no, he's I didn't going around. There's no way he'd be able to do it. It didn't annoy me. The only time CG stuck out, and it didn't stuck out. I didn't really care that much. Was when the car was flipping. You could tell it was CG. Yeah, but I don't give a crap because that's a fair enough stunt to do in CG. Yeah. So I did. I did think just a little bit. They've turned him into a superhero, but. The rest of it, they didn't do that. Um, especially at the end, he didn't even really get into a big fight scene with a bad guy. Yeah, they, they gave it to the girl. Away. I mean, this is a nice thing to say now. I think 2015 might actually be remembered. Because I think this will be one of the more remembered movies of the summer with Mad Max. I expect Mad Max will be when it comes to these movies. But Jurassic World will be remembered for the money. Money, but it won't money, be forgotten money. in a few years because people will realise it's, it's fun, but not that good. People remember things like the high heels. Which oh, they, yeah. which which they, they mentioned the in jokes. Uh, the running jokes that get remembered. But uh, this might go down as the summer of the, the absolutely amazing female characters because she's just as cool nearly as as uh, Charlie Theron just because you completely believe what she is and she's an amazing character that arguably upstages the actor in many sequences and saves him and the actor doesn't care because let's face it Tom Hardy got upstage in yeah. the movie and I and I think Tom Cruise at least was on equal pegging with her and, it did, and he allowed her to have the action sequence at the end he allowed her to save him that's the sort of thing that wouldn't have happened 20 years ago with the yeah. female lead and I actually think it's so it's just that's great. I think we might be remembered to completely different between Black Widow because if we talk about Black Widow. Black She's Widow, she never fights the main people that really matter. She's just a girl. Yeah, that's for that's for Iron Man to do. But people but like it's the difference between comics and Furiosa and and uh, Rebecca Ferguson in this Elsa. They're, they're completely kick ass yeah. and they're completely believable. I mean, how amazing is this? I think Hardy mentioned it before, but it's true. We're not on the podcast, but. It's so true. How much more believable is she than, say, Amelia Clark in Terminator Genesis? Oh, yeah. This is the complete example of how you can do it. We said that about uh, Amelia Clark when you compare her with uh, Linda Linda Hamilton, Hamilton, who was believable. Yeah, and this girl... Because Linda Hamilton seemed like someone who'd been training for years. And Rebecca Ferguson does too, in my opinion. She's completely believable. And not once did I question it, which can happen. I didn't question it at all with her. Yeah. Ever. She was awesome. And it was just great. 
Yeah, she was <laughs> very good. I, I don't know what sort of career she'll have. We don't know. I mean, a lot of act- actors have had, had like a flash in the pan performance. We don't know. There's there's a lot of talented actresses. Out there. I think she's. I think. Them, I don't, I don't know. know. We'll but, see. I think she's um, going to get some roles after this, good. at least. I think oh, she'll she's get some. Get, yeah, she'll get something. But there's a lot of good female actors out there. Yeah. So, well, hopefully, there's going to be a lot more female roles. There has, lately, lot, there has to be a lot of roles for them. But there are. They're growing anyway. Yeah. It's growing now because this would have never happened 20 years ago. You wouldn't have got a character like her 20 years ago. And Mr. Possible is a great example. I was saying to my sister, you basically saw females represented in cinema over the last 20 years. Mr. Possible Two is flat out sexist. Three and four. Yeah. I mean, you but, see but the female role growing throughout the whole movie. Yeah. But even at the end of three, it's not Tom Cruise that fights yeah. the bad guy. It's, uh, it's, it's his wife. But it's not that believable, he said, anyway. Yeah. Well, no, fair enough. I think it's believable because it's Frank two Cooper, minutes earlier, she'd never held a gun before. Yeah. He yeah. explained to her how to hold a gun and everything. Um, you remember? Oh, yeah. Because he, he gets her to electrocute him. Which is great. Right? Yeah, which is yeah, like which it. is good. Yeah, I agree with you. But And then he says, like, this is how you hold a gun. This is how you load it. da 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 and she's using reflections and, and on then it. she's not only sh- like she's hiding behind she's shooting like someone from from IMF that's what wasn't that's what was stupid yeah. like if, if it was Trained just like say, yeah if it was someone who'd at least they'd shown her down the gun range earlier so we knew she could shoot a gun that's, that's fine yeah, no, Rebecca Fergus is yeah. you know fighting for Her Majesty's Government she's Bond yes. she's Janine Bond or so she thinks. She's, She's great. I would take a female bond if it was her. I would actually be happy with it. It's something different. One other thing I do want to say, I compared this movie a lot, even though they're nothing like to the Die Hards, just how Die Hard gets worse over, over time and <laughs> better. these get better. Well, my, Die Hard 3 is better than 2. Well, so I, I compare it yeah, Fast yeah, and Furious. Yeah, Die Hard 3 is better than 2. I compare it Fast and the Furious. Yeah. In that they get better every Yeah. Time. So I, I thought of it, because I, I, I look at Bruce Willis and Ethan Hunter's d- different kind of action films and... You know, Bruce, obviously Tom Hunt, uh, Tom Hunt, Tom, Tom, <laughs> Tom Cruise knows what works with with. Um, well, Tom Cruise with, is completely uh, committed, and Bruce isn't. If yeah, what you're going to get to. Yeah, now that's and, and Tom what's Cruise, happened. Tom Cruise knows what's good about Mission Impossible and cares about it. He doesn't he cares. Care. It's yeah. not just about him or do as I say. It's about him making a good film. Yeah, he'll put himself in crazy situations. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis is a lazy guy that doesn't care anymore. But, but we know that. We know that. Now. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he who cares? Is. I don't think he cares. I don't think he's going to cry to sleep with his million dollar mansion. But what <laughs> oh, Nick doesn't like me. What I like about <laughs> this in in number five is Tom Cruise is actually kind of a legend now. Ethan Hunt is yeah. a legend. The girl says, "Oh, yeah, I, I can't believe I'm finally meeting the man." Even when Alec Baldwin is trying to put IMF down, the stuff that he's talking yeah. about that Ethan Hunt has done, he's broken into Langley. He I love how they title the movie. Yeah. Um, it was good to see Ethan Hunt as like this. Like, you know, he's actually... Well, he would be in real life if it actually happened. I kind, of, I kind of look at Die Hard yeah, 5, and I think, you know, when he's he's in Russia, I, I just kind of think, how is this guy who has saved, like, the world now, because they keep making him bigger and bigger, <laughs> just this wrong guy, <laughs> that, like, this in guy in the wrong place at the wrong time? Shouldn't he be, like, a celebrity on, you know, news be. cameras yeah. following well, him all around? After the Nakatomi building, you'd never have to work again in real life, yeah. probably. Write a book, um, sell it. If I was to make a Die Hard 6... With tearing it back would, in a building. It would be about them interviewing, and it'd have the reporter from Ooh. 1 and 2 interviewing uh, Bruce Willis, was it John McClane? Oh, I think Chris about Pratt John McClane about how how he's this like he's been in this crazy situation. It's just so they mention it, and then someone breaks in and tries to kill him. That, although that'd be the stupid, uh, stupidest yeah. reason. It's better than him doing. going to Russia on holiday when he's not on holiday. Yeah. No, he's on vacation. <laughs> oh, that's him. I'm on vacation. <laughs> yeah, I just need a remake and put Chris Pratt in, though. <laughs> just put him in every single movie. Jeez, that's, a movie we, that's a movie you can do on this podcast one day. Vote. Uh, tell us now, moviemaker.com, if you want us to do Die Hard. Yeah, I'd do Die Because that is a good movie. Yeah, that's, Christmas. that's Christmas. That's Christmas. That's a Christmas. That's, uh, that's your Christmas episode. That's why I want to mention really quickly before we leave, because Frank was saying just before about how you know they brought Jeremy Renner in for Mission Impossible 4, and I said I wanted to say... Oh, they did. I like him. I actually like him. I like Jeremy Renner, too. He seems entertaining, and if you ever hear anything about him... 
like in real life. Like he's a real celebrity, like yeah, very a, eccentric, and I like it. No, it's good. Oh, okay, he's you. eccentric and unusual. If you ever read interviews with him, uh, he's just a funny sort of character. You know what I mean? Just completely deluded and not in the real world. Right? I like people like that to oh, a degree. Right? Well, we're all like that here. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I like Jeremy. I'd like to have seen him more in this movie because I think he was good oh, yeah. before as well. Yeah, I think he's good in the. There's only so much screen time in there. As well. Yeah, me too. I, I, You're right. There is only so much screen time. That's the issue because Ving Rhames is good. Uh, it's, this Simon about, Pegg's this really movie, good. Simon Pegg, Ferguson, and and Cruz are the ones. With the, the, and, and the, the question is, time. like, if if they and that's the thing when when the sequel comes out. Who do you bring back? Bring them all back now. It's turning into a family. I like the family. It's turning into a family, but then you end up with, like, say in the next one, you want to give Renner more of a role than you've got to take it from someone else. You don't have who to. Who would you want to take it from? I don't know. I just I like the team dynamic, and I think you can. Keep I like the team a dynamic. team dynamic, but you do want to. But I want Ferguson back. back. There's no doubt oh, about that. I want, want Ferguson. Back. I want her back without a doubt. They had a tradition here of getting a new girl every movie, but I she, want Ferguson she back. flat out needs to come back because she's amazing. But I want Renner and Peg back. Me too. And, and I, I want Rams back too. Well, Rams has to be in each and every yeah. movie. Just for you know, I like the feeling. I was going to say something else, but I like the feeling that this film has, especially of how they. You talk about how he's a legend. That's right. But also how they've been there, done that. It feels like they're such a close knit unit by the time. Yeah. Everyone knew what they were going to say before they say it. They just like they've done this a lot of times before and they knew what they were doing it was really nice to watch but anyway what you mentioned about Jeremy Renner I actually think I mean T- Tom Cruise's career sort of can be watched with the Mission Impossible movies by the time he was making the first film he was the biggest star in the world yeah. second film biggest star in the world then he had the jumping couch incident just before the third movie and it affected the box office of that movie mm-hmm. because it made up a lot of money but it wasn't anywhere as big as they thought it was going to be because of Tom Cruise lost love Yeah. but I actually think what this movie has proven now with the 56 million opening that was bigger than they expected and the franchise still well, going on. It's bigger than Ant Man too. And, 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 that's, and it was never going to be. Well, it shouldn't have been. But it, but the re, and what I think this is proven now, and I think it's happening, is that Tom Cruise is just say what you want about his personal life. Yeah, yeah. it's unusual. And I understand that's why a lot of people turned off him, even though I never jumped off him. But I understand that's why a lot of people. But I just think that these movies are proven with their rise again in popularity, and his rise again in popularity as a star is because he's just such. I, I've said it before in this podcast. He's such a goddamn movie star. I always say, tell me someone else who's anywhere near him a movie star. I reckon it's his movie presence and his pure charisma that is basically... No other movie career would have survived everything he went through 10 years ago. I think they would have been dead. Any other actor who was big now had the exact same sort of drama off off screen happen. I reckon their movie career would have been over. But Tom Cruise is so committed. And he's so he, Every time he works, he gives 100% to every job he does. Yeah. He's so committed. He's so passionate about his role and his job. And he's got so much charisma on screen. He survived this and now he's back and people are it's, sort of forgetting the Tom Cruise of hate because he's just... How can you watch this movie and not be entertained? I mean, It's the fifth movie in the franchise. Yeah. You'd expect someone like Tom Cruise or a big star, and Bruce Willis did this in Die Hard, yeah, Bruce to phone it in. You'd expect nah, that, and, that's why, and he doesn't. That's why he's so good, because he you never question what he's giving to the movie. Bloody... He, a plane took off and he was holding on to it for five seconds. It is quite I mean, amazing. That is kind of cool. I wouldn't do it. Like I said, I... And he was acting it, during it, too. I personally didn't <laughs> think it was as spectacular as... Um, Maybe it would be spectacular in IMAX for the one shot. Yeah, actually, you might be right. I don't know, though. Because it is a pretty crazy stunt. I mean, I don't know what they do next. As long as it's an exciting movie. I'm, and I'm really happy that we're getting it a yeah, year later instead of, instead of five years well, later. that's the thing. They've got to go to space. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> now, that's Mission Impossible. Oh, I, Paul Walker never died. I wish that that's... I wanted Fast and Furious to go there, and I have a feeling what, they might... Space? I reckon they might have gone there, because they were getting so ludicrous, and I have a feeling... They were, oh, could you imagine Mission Impossible in space? They, see, that's why they have a car chase on the, the, on the moon. That's why I compare them to Fast and the Furious. And I'm serious, that would happen. But this is a much no, better no. series than Fast and the Furious. They're better movies. They're, they're, they're better movies. Though but Fast Five is an awesome movie. But there are similarities movie. between them in terms of they get better. I mean... This is better than Fast Five, and Fast Five is the best Fast movie. 
Yeah. I think Fast Five is the best movie. I think this is the best fifth movie ever in a franchise. And I'm not talking about Empire Strikes Back, but that's yeah, that's number two. So it's Attack of the Clones. This better is than good. Attack of the Clones. Yes. Are you serious? Is it better than Nightmare Five? <laughs> better than Friday 13 Five? Better than Halloween Five? I'm trying to think about the five. Daniel better than Fast Term- Five? Terminator Genesis. Oh, way better than <laughs> This is the best fifth movie Mad ever. Mad Max was the fourth. Yeah, best fifth movie what ever. Was it, Jurassic World was the fourth. The fifth, oh, the fifth James Bond movie is You Only Live Twice, which is the first Sean Connery movie to not be that good. Okay. Like the first four movies are fantastic, and the fifth one is fine, but it's it's Sean Connery gaining weight, losing hair, and not caring anymore. <laughs> he turned into Bruce Willis. He's in Taken Long. What? How many, how many movies was he in? He was in six movies, but he yeah. quit after You Only Live Twice, and they got George Lazenby, and then George Lazenby movie, which is a fantastic movie, but he's bad in it. But the movie's fantastic. Okay. But it, because it, made, it was so serious, well, it, be on the Bond it was like Casino Royale in the sixties. It was really that it was more serious, okay. and he fell in love with Diana Rigg, which is the best Bond girl ever. And then that movie didn't make a lot of money because people wanted the crazy Bond, and then they begged Sean Connery a massive amount of money to come back for Diamonds Are Forever, which is one of the worst Bond movies ever. And he's fat, overweight, and doesn't give a crap. He should have just left it after Thunderball. But yeah, so it's, it's better a famous than famous one though, probably because of the song. I guess. The name It's famous for the name and the song, and the song. but the movie is. Well, I don't want to wreck where the I don't want to do spoilers for a fifty year old movie, but the way it on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the yeah. George Lazenby movie, I'm not gonna wreck it, but it leaves you with an emotional ending that is amazing. And it's a should, movie. And it's amazing. It was by far ahead of everything else that came before, but they never tried to do it before. It was a dark, okay. serious movie. And then they just ignored it for the next movie because they just wanted Sean Connery well, back. It maybe it didn't make money. Well it didn't. It was so, it made money, but it didn't make the money because I mean, I don't know, but Casino Royale, I mean, Thunderball, Goldeneye, a gold figure, the ones that came out just before that, were some of the biggest movies of all time still. Without inflation, I mean, Thunderball made like 600 million in the US box office in today's money, or 700 million or something. Oh, with inflation, jeez. Like, it is, it is, no, but they were like the biggest movies in the world in the 60s. And then Bond sort of like got repetitive and lost its yeah. a little bit of prime. And then it wasn't until Skyfall that it made a billion worldwide and Bond was back into the massive mainstream. I mean, I think it's always been popular in the UK, but America has never but, caught but on completely. Goldeneye was a big movie. Yeah, but it wasn't to the level of... Uh, it was never up to the level of Goldfinger. Goldfinger and Thunderball, that he was the biggest person in the world, Sean Connery, for those two years, yeah, okay. basically. Well, like, you know, you're the Bond lover. That's why you will be I know, hosting... I know, I always Bond. Oh, because hosting, you said fifth movie. You'll be hosting mm. the uh, Bond podcast. Yeah, coming soon. soon. We're very excited. Uh, I'm really With excited. S.A. Wine Guy. S.A. Wine Guy himself. S.A.'s own James Bond. Yeah. But that's another story. We're talking about Mission Impossible Rogue okay. Nation. Everyone recommends it here. Yeah. Fantastic absolutely. movie. Oh, definitely, yeah. And uh, go Thomas. And if you want to be on the podcast, Thomas Cruz, just email Hargy at uh, moviemingler.gmail.com <laughs> and say, Hargy, I want to be you on really the podcast. You really have to get around to reading a couple of those letters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find us at www.moviemingler.com or on Facebook. Just type in Movie Mingler and like the post and interact. It's all a lot of fun. Or on Twitter at Movie Mingler and apparently on uh, Android as well. Huggy keeps on saying, I don't know how to get to that. but And on iTunes, uh, yeah, rate and subscribe to us yeah. on iTunes. And if you subscribe, every time you turn on your laptop, you get a new podcast when we upload, which is really exciting. I mean, God damn, <laughs> that's really cool. And, and if you don't listen, just give us five stars anyway. Um, well, you obviously have if you heard me say this. So that's a And how many remember. stars would you give this movie? Mr. Possible Five? I know you're not a big star reviewer, but yeah, I don't like. Anyway. Well, if you, if you give halves and not points and all that, I'll give it four and a half out of five. Okay. Fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. Four or four and a half. Yeah, I'm four. Well, everyone's about four the same. Um, and the only issue... Great way to end the summer. It. Great book end to the summer. Product placement. We'll leave on that. <laughs> oh, and, and, and we'd like to thank Pepsi and Coca-Cola for uh, supplying us. In the world Pizza of Hut. Possible, apparently the only car that exists is a BMW. Which is cool. Oh, well, that, and, that, that's, that's the only car that exists in and, our lives and, is Movie Minglers. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, and they are the only people in the world who use Windows Phone. 
I don't think oh. everyone in the world uses Android or iPhones except for the people. I, I, I still they had an Apple, Apple laptop though, didn't they? No, oh, no. they used a Surface. Oh, wow. and the, Apple the was best, in the fourth the movie. Were and the, yeah, you're right. It was an Apple wow, computer and an iPhone. They were iPhones, yeah. but Apple don't really pay for product placement, I don't think. Mm. So they just would have bought them. But Microsoft do pay for product placement and they used a Surface tablet at the start. I think. I'm pretty sure they used a Surface tablet at the start. Yeah, they did because they had the little Windows logo and they used Windows computers. And I mean, like, I mean, I've got a Windows computer right here, so do you. But um, no one uses Windows. No one uses Windows Phone, and some people use Surface tablets. But I mean, just hey, well, Ethan Hunt does, so maybe I should start using. Just chuck an iPad on. I'm still pissed off with the Amazing Spider-Man one, where Peter Parker used Bing to search twice. Well, there you go. Bing. That is a it's always very annoying. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't mind it. I like seeing Google there because at least you know it's But real. he did Google in the second yeah. one because I think people <laughs> laughed at the fact he was using BMW. I don't mind BMWs, particularly old BMWs. I don't really like them. But I mean, there are other cars in the world. I never even think about that. I don't think about that sort of stuff. The, yeah. I don't. It's like my uh, product, yeah, product placement doesn't annoy me. I know it annoys some people. So yeah, it doesn't but, annoy me. It's just I want some. It's not realistic that everyone uses the same phone. Everyone uses the same computer. It's, yeah. Everybody's the same car. Yeah, oh, if, if you work for a corporation like IMF, I'm sure they would have a special deal through yeah, Apple or Samsung or something. Like, yeah, yeah. like us, Pizza Hut, where you need, where the world is round. Or Fast Pass. <laughs> Eat You're fresh fast Subway. <laughs> all right, okay, that's it. Uh, uh, and on that note. I was going to do the best product placement of all time from Back to the Future 2, but it doesn't matter now. I want a Pepsi. No, wait, Pep, no, Back to the Future 1. I want a Pepsi 3. If you want a Pepsi, power, you got to pay for it. <laughs> Coffee, five cents, yeah. Okay, anyway, see you next week where we will review. I have no idea. So, good luck. It's going to be a surprise. Or you can always tweet us suggestions. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Thanks for listening, people. Ciao. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll do that soon.